Welcome to Hattrick City on WXCI 91.7, Danbury's only all-hockey radio show. Uh, I know that some in our audience don't know the finer points of hockey. You want me to dummy you again? Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and welcome to WXCI Danbury and the one and only Hattrick City. I'm your host, DJ Patty Cake, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, DJ Uncle Matt. Now, Uncle Matt has got something to start us off with um, for this show. Take us away. Yeah, busy weekend uh, in hockey in Connecticut. Definitely a big weekend with... uh the annual Connecticut Ice Tournament being won by uh, the number three uh, Quinnipiac University Bobcats, uh, who bested UConn, which is actually ranked number twelve by a score of four to three. Uh, it was a little bit of uh, kind of a mystery surrounding the tournament. There were some changes at the last minute. I don't believe SNY. Uh, was uh, involved again and it moved out of uh, the arena in Bridgeport and onto the campus of Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac served as the hosts. Uh, Again, kind of discouraging that the venue got moved and the TV people kind of dropped out, but again, it was a great weekend for hockey uh, and I think it was a great opportunity to show off uh, what we've already spoken about on this show and uh, I'll have more on in uh, March's issue of Connecticut Magazine is that that the four Division One schools, the four Division One hockey schools in Connecticut, now have all have their own on-campus rinks, and I think that the CTIs, what maybe came out of that was just, hey, this might be the future of the tournament. Let's have it move around to the different on-campus facilities. Let's get the students more involved. Uh, I think that that's it. May have very well. Uh, have been a good thing. So it's UConn, Quinnipiac, Sacred Heart, and Yale every year. Uh, so it's uh, all the action took place at at in Hampton at, at Quinnipiac. So uh, I think it was a great thing for hockey in Connecticut, and it really kind of led into um, just the beginning of that era that we're in now where all these schools have an on-campus home. Yeah, and then you also had a very fun Friday night. Uh, you made the trip up to Binghamton with the boys. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it was a great ride uh, up to Binghamton. Um, great to see these guys in that environment, so locked in, so dedicated to the team. Uh, Johnny Ruiz, how much he does for the guys and how he's so focused, uh, really mostly on hockey and, and the small a circle of family and supporters he has around him during the season, and and uh, you know, and then it then it goes down the line to see people like Brendan Dowler trying to keep up with their schoolwork while while we're on the road, and uh, just the dynamics of guys getting into town and preparing for the game, kind of in a crunch. Uh, I also had the chance. Uh, this is something that was uh, kind of disappointing over the last couple of years. So in early 2020, before the pandemic started, I had played in the Binghamton Pond Hockey uh, Festival. And uh, it was a, it's a great event. It was an outdoor event. 
And I couldn't convince these guys to go to check out the Chicken Speedy Sandwich, which is famous in Binghamton. And then uh, the pandemic hit, and I never ended up going to Binghamton again. Next thing you know, a couple years pass. Last year, I took the bus up with the boys, and uh, let's just say we thought we were going to get sandwiches, and we didn't. And then um, we're... Dave McIsaac and I were a little disappointed in the fact that we didn't get those chicken speedy sandwiches. But uh, this weekend uh, that just passed here on Friday, uh, my buddy Louis Esposito, shout out to Louis, came down to uh, the hotel where we were at with the guys at lunchtime and I grabbed the chicken speedy sandwich finally. So it was great. Uh, it was, uh, basically marinated uh, chicken Sandwich. It's it's well known, and there's multiple places that sell this type of sandwich in and around Binghamton. And I uh, felt like I got the authentic experience going up there. And it sounds like you had a fun time on your uh, trip with the team to Elmira on Sunday for Sunday's game. Yeah, so um, I got to make that trip up. That was the first time I've ever rode with the boys. Um, and let me tell you, it was a fun experience, and it's one that I won't, you know really ever forget that was probably one of the cooler things i've done this season or you know yet so far with my tenure in the hatricks organization um it was kind of funny leading up to it uh you know the night before we had just gotten the 6-1 win and i just kind of went up to billy after the game was like mind if i come on and he was like yeah why not so went on the bus left at around 8 a.m from danbury from there ensued about like a three and a half to four hour trip to Elmira with a food stop in between. Um, from there, we just got set up. Boys started warming up in the locker room, getting ready to go out there for warmups. Um, and, you know, that was my first time ever being in Elmira, let alone uh, first arena there. Um, it's an okay little, little spot, you know, for, for what it holds. Good little minor league barn. Yeah. Um, it, it kind of felt like a skeleton walking around the concourse. You know, there's like a few tables here and there set up for things, but nothing like, like the paint is just this like generic beige. There's nothing like kind of like, this is an arena. It's kind of like, that's a little rink. Yeah, I know that they went through uh, some ups and downs up at that arena. I've got some stories about that arena myself, but what I wanted to tell you is, is I, you know, up at the Binghamton rink it's it's really an excellent place to see a game and i know shout out to joe trench who drove himself up there uh for the friday night game because he missed the previous week's games uh, due to illness uh, he didn't want to didn't want to miss too much more hockey than he already did so he drove himself up to binghamton he was having a good time he was trying to give the guys a big boost um when they came out to the ice for the third period just he loves being around the game and he, he loves Danbury and uh, it was great to see Joe Trench up there but I tell you it's a great rink uh if you're a Danbury hockey fan you know if you got plans me and Pat are going to be up there on the 17th I'm almost positive yeah uh so it's one of those things where if you're a Danbury hockey fan and you want to go check out a game uh the best place to go it, it really in driving distance uh, is Binghamton. I mean, you, it'd be, you'd be best staying the night up there, but it, it's a great place to go see a game. It was an AHL arena used by the Whalers organization, used by the Rangers organization, the Binghamton Senators organization, and then uh, at the end there it was the uh, uh, New Jersey Devils uh, had their AHL team for a couple of seasons yeah. at Binghamton. But um I just think it's a it's a great place to go on the road. I think that being 
one thing about being a fan in a league like this, it's great when you could make that little road trip to go away someplace different for the weekend. I think Binghamton's a good enough town. Plenty of bars, uh, you know, stuff to check out around town. Yeah, and then, you know, kind of segueing different direction. In the NHL, we had a huge trade um, between the Islanders and the Canucks. Islanders traded away um, Anthony Bovillier, Atu Ratu, and a future first-round pick in, I believe, this year's draft um, for Bo Horvat, um, former captain of the Canucks now. Um, I thought it was an interesting trade. I know we were trying to get Bo for a little while now. Um, you know, it sucks to see someone like Bovillier go, but he was kind of ending his time. But Ratu, I feel like they could have kept around a little longer. I mean, that guy has been nothing but phenomenal when he, you know, for the little time that he got to play, he he was awesome, you know, watching him, even in Bridgeport, you know, working there and getting to see him play. But I think he would have been a good thing to stay in the mm-hmm. island, but hopefully just well. Vancouver, thoughts on this? It's not surprising that Ratu's gone. They burnt through his entry-level contract minutes pretty fast. Yeah. Um, and that's usually a good indication that a guy's, you know, expendable within the organization or a piece that they were looking to move. Uh, listen, uh, Tito Beauvillier was a really good player for the for the Islanders his whole time with the team. He just never really transcended into being a great player. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm hoping that, Somehow, some way, this affects Barzal uh, just on a productive uh, standpoint. He's a talented kid. Does he turn it up a notch with a teammate like this come in? Is he going to play on the same line as him? Uh, I just don't know anymore. You know, but w- what I think happens here is the Islanders made a move. I think that the fans ultimately wanted. The fans call out. The Islander fans call out for things all the time. I read Facebook. You yeah. know, so so it's like, listen. You wanted a trade, you got one, and and I I really don't think unless that draft pick ends up being something crazy, I'm not a hundred percent sure what we're giving up here. You know, yeah. uh, what was your take on Ratu? Like, what what's your take on him being gone? Because now this creates a hole where the Islanders really don't have that number one prospect anymore. There are guys there are guys playing good. We spoke with Lou Lamarillo. Uh, you know, we'll, hopefully we'll be able to play a little bit of that. But You know what? Let's cut to it right now. Mr. Lamarillo, Matt and I wanted to get your take on Matt Maggio. Uh, what do you got to say about him? Well, he, uh, he's had an exceptional year uh, in junior, so I can see why they're excited. Uh, his work ethic is, is elite. Uh, his scoring abilities is elite, uh, and you know we drafted him as uh, you know he went through the draft the year before, so you wouldn't call him an overage draft. Uh, but uh, he's without question shown that he's uh, he's a legitimate NHL prospect. There's guys like Matthew Maggio and a few other people that are turning it up in in the uh, um, in the Islanders system. But I don't really know. Uh, there's Bolduc and there's uh, Isaiah George. I mean, there's up and down the line a lot of different dudes. There were some people that when we spoke to Lou Lamarillo, we, we weren't even aware was high on the Islanders yeah. kind of prospect radar. So what what I'm saying is I don't know enough about what made Ratu expendable. What's your take? Um, 
I mean, honestly, he was pretty versatile. He knew, you know, what his position was on that team, and he was able to, you know, live to that expectation and kind of exceed it in a way. I mean, given it's only minutes of ice time that he's getting up in New York, but you know, when he when he gets out there for the little time that he does, he he makes the most of it and he he plays that puck well. And you know, even in Bridgeport, I see the same same exact thing. And obviously, he's on a higher line there because that's where they're developing him. But um, again, just another player that I would have liked to see grow a little more um, as opposed to, you know, being sent out. But again, with the, the entry-level minutes being burned out of his contract, um, it made sense, you know, as to why they did that now. Like I see there, they were aiming for a trade. I think that this is the trade that's going to be very telling about the Islanders' future and just the role of everybody involved right now because the Islanders have to start getting in that good direction this trade probably wouldn't have happened a dozen years ago yeah just because you have a talented guy a leader on one team uh you know i think i think we're also hearing that that there are other guys around the league that have the islanders on a list of teams they would get traded to instead of not get traded to like was was the case for many years so uh i think we're in good position to re-sign this guy we got a brand new rank yep uh, again, there there are some still good pieces uh, remaining. I just think that I don't know if we're looking at a full rebuild. I think we're talking about changing changing guys out and bringing new guys in, not necessarily like a total, you know, let's sacrifice anything. I, I think the Islanders can still play with the guys that they have. It's just a matter of bringing key pieces in. And we're going to see how, how Bo uh, Horvat really uh impacts the team yeah and then to kind of piggyback off of you know our our trips we're gonna kind of talk about last weekend's results overall i know friday we fell i believe it was was a six two or six three to binghamton and we were at home saturday against elmira got a six one win there um huge bounce back win then to go on the road against elmira once again and you know get a six two win over there so, I mean, honestly, if we can keep that momentum going into this weekend, um, I'd see it. any thoughts from what you saw in Binghamton. You know, just on my own thoughts, uh, I, I I think it was just a tough, you know, not to make any excuses, but it, it's kind of a tough crunch getting up to Binghamton the night before, skating early, uh, having lunch, and then there's a little scrambling in the afternoon that, so that everybody ca- kind of gets some space to relax. Uh, you know, at this level, there aren't a lot of the creature comforts that there are uh, on the higher levels. But what I can say is this. Uh, it's tough playing against 4,620-some-odd people, and I think that the crowd was live, and I think that uh, that hometown atmosphere was just a little too much on Friday night uh, for the hat-tricks. But I think they rebounded really well on Saturday, uh, coming home, showing what they could do. You know, um, that's the thing. And then, you know, going into this weekend, we're in a two-game bout with Columbus, but Saturday is going to be a huge night as we got the annual New Haven night going on. Um, they released the photos of the jerseys that they're going to be auctioning off after the fact. Let me tell you, I, I think I might put in a bid on this one because those jerseys are quite 
fire. I thought they looked pretty cool. Um, you know, everybody has their own opinions about them. Uh, I, I think that jerseys are, are uh, you know, I think that I'm never like one to necessarily judge the tackle and twill versus the subliminal. I think, you know, like my brother was a basketball coach at the University of Miami and they had the subliminated, uh, you know, jerseys and yeah. stuff like that. And the stuff looked great. And it was really light and it was a material that dried quick and kept the players cool. So I, I, I don't put to, I, but I love the way the New Haven logo kind of looks in orange. I think this was a really clean one that they did. They did it kind of, they did more or less a, a New Haven throwback last year. Yeah. Kind of like more of a direct throwback to New Haven last year. So I thought it was cool this year. Uh, kind of looks like a Flyers jersey, kind of, but it, it, it definitely does have, there's that really cool kind of like Transformers look that it yeah. that, that it almost has, you know? And uh, I love New Haven night. Um, you know, everybody knows I love going to TK's Corner right here, uh, TK's, TK's Cafe, actually, right here on White Street. And, uh, you know, that guy's got so many New Haven sports stories from uh, having operated another TK's location up there that it's it's just one of those things, man, where uh, New Haven night brings a lot of hockey fans out. And I think to have New Haven night on a weekend where there's, you know, the number one team in the opposite division in town – to, to play the hat tricks, it, it's going to make for a great atmosphere. I'm, like, really excited. One of my good yeah. buddies, uh, my best friend's Cody, my 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 buddy and my beer league teammate is, is coming up for the weekend, and uh, we're not going to miss those games. We're skating in Hartford on Saturday morning, a little gentleman's skate, but then we'll be um, shooting back down here. Uh, Westcon men's basketball, 3 p.m., on Saturday against Keene State, uh, right now I don't know if Westcon won tonight, uh, or if the game's still going on, but they are on a tear. They are about seventeen or eighteen and one right now, eighteen and one, yep. I believe, and uh, it's going to be a great game against Keene, who is the only team to beat Westcon this year, and they they were nineteen and one last time I checked, so it could be the best basketball game. If you're into basketball, I know it's a dirty word to say on a hockey show. But if you're into basketball, it could be the best basketball game of the season, 3 p.m. at the O'Neill Center on the West Side campus. Of course. Um, I really think this is going to be just a great series to watch. You know, both nights getting that 7.30 hockey in on Friday and that 7 o'clock start on Saturday. Um, you know, I'm excited for it. And to see, you know, Justin Schmidt play, of course, Ice Wars 2 cruiserweight champion. Um, it's maybe a little foreshadowing here, but... Um, yeah, it's it's going to be fun to see that team play, you know, finally in person. I've seen them, you know, play on that YouTube stream that one weekend where we kind of split the series. But I think we have a good shot to really kind of prove to them, you know, what we can be. I feel that we weren't at our fullest on that road trip. I feel like at home we're really going to really gonna give them smackdown. That, no, I, I, I just think that uh, it's going to be two great nights of hockey. Oh, yeah. Uh, there, there's, there's no doubt that there's talent on both of these teams, and this is – this is going to be a great showdown. I'm going to maybe eat 50 chicken wings myself this week. I might go to TK's Friday and Saturday and uh, just just have have a weekend for myself. Uh, we've gotten a lot going on. Um, also have a, 
idea that if anybody out there wants to see uh, the hockey news story featuring Daniel Amesbury, we can send it to you on PDF if you DM us. I heard that it is going to go online eventually. Chris Rush has posted the PDF on his website, and we can try and share that link maybe on Instagram just so that people see it because uh, we have been getting hit up about it, and hockey news is kind of funny with what goes in the magazine and what goes online. But I I did... uh, reach out to them and say that you know I think there's a lot of people online that would be interested in seeing the full story. But right now, if you really want to see it, we can send you the PDF. Of course, um, we got a pretty loaded episode, packed show. So make sure to stay tuned. Get your popcorn. Hey, this is Evan Lugo, forward and pizza man of the Danbury Hat Tricks, and you're listening to Hat Trick City on WXCI. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hattrick City. I'm your host, DJ Patty Cake, and today we have a very, very special guest on, the one and only Nina Steigoff of the Quinnipiac Bobcats. Nina, how are we doing today? I'm great. How are you? Doing pretty well. So far, you guys have been rolling this season. I mean, looking at your your record here, 23-4 and four overall. I mean, I got to catch a few games. I caught the shutout against uh, Wisconsin. That was a pretty awesome game to watch. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on the season thus far? I mean, you got a few games left here before you guys go into, I imagine, playoffs. Uh, yeah, so this the season's been great so far. Uh, we put a lot of work into every day and our details, and um, it's easy going to the rink every day when you know you have such an outstanding staff and an outstanding group of girls that you get to play the sport you love with. Um, we also have a coach, coaching staff unlike any other. Uh, you can't really get coaches like, ours who care as much as they do and who put as much effort as they do into us and the team and just our overall success. Um, Winning is obviously important, but growing is even more important for us too. So we take the losses with what we will and we take the wins with what we will and we just dive back in the details each Monday to get better and hopefully win that championship. Of course. And then um, I just want to do a little little dive back here. Um, You know, going through your elite prospects, you got some I believe high school going on a little bit of that. What, what was, what was that like, you know, going, you're from Minnesota, correct? Yes. So what was it like, you know, the scene there and, you know, just growing up playing the sport? Uh, growing up playing hockey in Minnesota is not, I wouldn't say a must, but I think everyone does it. Uh, it's just easy since it's, I like to call Minnesota the frozen tundra. Um, there's ice everywhere and there's so many options to be able to play. So it's kind of inevitable to play if you have, uh, the financial stability to do it, which is awesome. Um, but growing up playing in Minnesota is an experience none like any other. I actually got to play with uh, my older sister, which is a memory that I'll never forget. Um, but I also make relationships and lifelong best friends as well, just through playing a sport. Um, and that's like the amazing thing about playing a sport too, is the relationships and the people you find and meet and who become your basically lifelong best friends. So that's cool. And also Minnesota just cares a lot about hockey. So growing up in a state where hockey is the number one, it kind of makes it easy to be really excited about your sport um, and all the opportunity that it has to offer. Yeah. And then also to add on that, um, who inspired you to play hockey growing up? Was it your older sister or was it another? another I I wish I could say my older sisters. Um, I wanted to play because I wanted to be better than them. Uh, unfortunately, that's my competitive nature that I have. But uh, growing up, I watched Hannah Brandt play. Uh, she played for the high school that I went to and then went on to the Gophers and is now an Olympian. 
Um, but growing up, I loved her style. I loved how she played and I idolized her. Um, so when my sisters played in high school, I went to their high school games and I just watched her style and I slowly started to form my style off of her style. And then that kind of came into what my game has become today, I would say. She also was my coach my senior year of high school. So that was kind of oh, like wow. a little kid growing up and now your idol is one of your coaches. So that was an awesome experience as well. That is really cool. Um, overall from high school, what would you say is your your best memory or your favorite memory? Honestly, uh, section final time is really, really big in Minnesota. I don't know if people know what that is, but basically playoffs in Minnesota, if you make it to the state tournament, you get to play at the XL Energy Center, which is where the Wild play. And usually a lot of people go to those games. So that's like a really, really cool experience. But um, section to win your section and go to the state tournament is just an unbelievable experience. Like they, for those games, even like women's games, like the stands are packed with people and it's just kind of like makes you feel like a top dog when you're playing. And then being able to win and go compete for a state championship is, was always a great memory that I had in high school. That's awesome. And then, you know, get out of high school, then comes college. Um, were there any other options besides Quinnipiac or was that the one? Um, I talked to quite a few other schools. They actually encourage talking to other schools. So when you make your decision that you really know, um, I did keep some Minnesota schools in mind just because it's close to home. But then um, when I was younger, I knew I kind of wanted to come out east and just get a different experience than what I'm used to. Um, and the, it's kind of sounds like an aha moment. People always say like, when you step on the right college, you know, and my dad and I, we came out here and we toured a couple different schools and Quinnipiac was on the list. And the minute I hit campus, I was like, wow, this is cool. And it was just such a different experience than I had on any of the other college campuses. And I kind of walked in the weight room and I started talking with Cass and I was like, he just was saying everything that I wanted to hear about winning and just being a great team and having teammates that care about each other. And it was a culture that I really wanted to be a part of. So the minute I left here, I was kind of like, all right, if they offer me, um, I'm definitely going to go there. So it's <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. you know, so far you're, you're in your junior year. Um, you know, what have you, what have you taken away from it so far that, you know, will really just kind of stick with you throughout, you know, whatever you do next. Hockey has taught me a lot of things, but I think the one thing that it has always been consistent is work ethic. Um, you can't just show up and expect to be on the top line. You can't just show up and expect to play. You can't just show up to anything and expect to be the best because when you get into a competitive pool, everyone where they're coming from is the best. So now you have to kind of figure out, okay, what am I maybe a little better at than someone else and what can I contribute to this team and I think the biggest thing is just working on everything that I could and just making sure my work ethic stayed throughout my whole life because that is something that never should ever go away so I'd say work ethic of course and then I want to ask you know what is it like playing you know with you have two team captains there you got Zoe and Lexi I don't want to butcher either of their last names so I'm just gonna <laughs> go with that but um you know, what, what's their leadership like, you know, when you go into the locker room, either, you know, you're down or you're up? Yeah, I would say everything is very encouraging. Our team doesn't really respond well to yelling or being upset with each other. And we would never, ever get upset with each other anyway, because I think a lot of teams when they're losing, 
they tend to blame others, but our team has never been like that. It's always everyone else is looking in the mirror before they say anything. And they're like, I can do this, like all this, but we're definitely a very big energy team. We thrive off of each other's energy. So our captains are really good at getting us hyped and ready for the game and just knowing that like we're there for each other. And sometimes it's not going to go your way and sometimes it is and just making sure you're not too high, not too low, just being consistent and making sure we're there for one another is the biggest thing. Of course. And, um, you know, I want to throw it back a little bit to that Wisconsin weekend. Um, you know, quite an interesting weekend, how you guys kind of just turn the tables, you know, that, that next day, um, you know, obviously you guys, you know, were ready to come out on that Sunday. Um, take us through like your mindset of, you know, that Saturday night after the game and then leading it to the next Sunday. Yeah, obviously losing is never a fun experience. Um, and it's not something we like to dwell on for too long. We like to look at our mistakes and grow from them. Uh, we have like a bunch of stats that we like to hit in the game and our staff does an amazing job of getting us those stats. So we looked at our stats and what maybe we could have done better to score and get through their defense and just generate offense. Um, and this team isn't one to shut down when we lose. It's more of like, okay, like let's get fired up. Let's get back out there and let's show them what we can do. Um, and I think that's what we did. We were day two hockey. We were ready. We, really believe in our conditioning and our physical fitness. And then we just believe in each other. And it came down to just us, us just proving what we could do. Of course. And then, um, you know, earlier in the month, uh, you guys had the opportunity to play in frozen Fenway. Um, probably one of the best games I've seen this entire month out of everything I've watched. Um, you know, what was it like playing there? Um, it was an experience unlike any other insane and unbelievable unbelievable to be able to play in an outside game and then you get to put it in Fenway one of the most historic baseball parks in the country um that was actually my first time ever being there and I think I'll never forget my first time being at Fenway now um but just being able to play outdoors and it was snowing and the, the atmosphere was beautiful like every single time I was on the ice I took a minute just to look up and look around and just really soak in the experience um and it was a game unlike any other so yeah and then you know with the snow I know there was a few things that you know how'd you guys overcome that because I know the sight lines might have been a little wobbly with that and then you know the snow turned to rain and all this or vice versa I believe yeah well the thing about weather is when you're playing a different team they're going through the same the obstacles that you're going through so that was not an excuse that we were going to make for ourselves but we did switch our style of play a little bit it was more the puck was slowing down toward the center of the ice. So we were like, okay, we're just going off the boards. We're going off the glass on the breakout. Um, we're just going to try to ice it and then just beat them to the puck and try to just generate offense. Uh, we, I think we, we switched our game to be very, very simple. And that's what, what worked. Uh, just getting back to the basics, one pass, shoot, crash the net, do what you can to get the puck out um, and try to get new people out there as quick as you can. Of course. And then, you know, I had to ask that iconic goal that you scored, <laughs> that baseball swing. I mean, you know, what was going through your mind when that happened? Um, I used to play softball and um, I do tend to screen and put myself in front of the net a lot. So I have a little bit of confidence in my hand-eye coordination, but I think I don't really know what was going through my head. 
but I saw the puck come at me and my first like initial reaction was like, okay, we're just going to swing at it like a baseball bat and see how this goes. And um, I just happened to make contact and it went in the right direction and it really worked out for me. But um, I would say I just saw a puck coming at me and my first initial reaction was just to be like, all right, let's hit it. Um, and then it worked out. So I guess take that with what you will. Yeah. And then um, you ended up on Sports Center top 10 for that. You know, what was what was that experience like? You know, family was probably going ballistic over that. <laughs> yeah, I remember um, it was after the game and it was probably like 10 o'clock whenever that stuff comes out. And I was just texting with my dad about the game and we were just talking because my whole family was in town. And then all of a sudden he just sends me a video and he goes, wow, this is you. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that is insane. I don't even I didn't even know what to think. but. I, I was honored to be up there, especially as a woman, too. I feel like that doesn't happen often. So I'm happy that I could slowly try to break a barrier here and there. That's awesome. And then, um, you know, your your next set of uh, next game, you know, when when this recording will come out will be, you know, at Dartmouth. Um, what has it been like playing against them this season? Dartmouth is a very good, gritty team. And I would say that about every single per every single team in our conference the ECAC isn't a conference where you think you can go in winning a game and you're you don't have to show up every game you have to show up every game you have to battle and give the opponent the respect that they deserve um because every single team in this conference is good and they're deep and they care and they we're a very physical like conference as well so every game is going to be a battle and I love I love being able to play a different team every single weekend. Um, it really allows us to get a different experience. And also if you come off a game, maybe a loss, maybe a win, it makes it easy to go play the next team because it's a different team. So it's a clean slate no matter what happens the day before. So I love playing Dartmouth. I love their campus. Um, I love their rank. There's so much history there and I'm just excited to play. Of course. And then, um, a last thing before we go, um, we usually like to ask all our guests this and, you know, growing up in Minnesota, I know where this might go, but could go completely different. Um, do you have a favorite NHL team? And if so, which one? Hmm. That's, I mean, I would probably have to say the wild just because I grew up going to their hockey games and I got to play in one of the intermissions and, it was an experience unlike any other. That was another core memory I'll never forget from being younger. Uh, so, yeah, I would have to say the Minnesota Wild. My mom is a big Minnesota Wild fan, too. But um, I wouldn't say I'm a diehard fan, though. I'm not, like, butthurt when they lose. And I'm not. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, if they win, I'm like, oh, good for them. But that's my that's my home. So I'd say them. Gotcha, of course. Um, Nina, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it. Um, any last thing? Uh, you want to say to the fans before you go? Um, no, just thank you for having me. And um, I look forward to seeing where this goes next. Awesome. Again, thank you so much for coming on. Yes, thank you so much. This is Danbury Hattrick's head coach, Billy McCreary, and you're listening to Hattrick City Radio on WXCI 91.7 FM. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Hattrick City weekend schedule. Starting in college hockey, at Quinnipiac, the men's team is on the road facing Harvard on Friday, February 3rd with a 7 p.m. puck drop, and then against Dartmouth on Saturday, February 4th 
for an 8 p.m. puck drop. In women's hockey, the Bobcats are on the road against Dartmouth on Friday, February 3rd for a 3 p.m. puck drop. At UConn, the men's team face off against Northeastern on the road on Friday, February 3rd for a 7 p.m. puck drop. In women's hockey, the Huskies are on the road against Boston University on Friday, February 3rd for a 7 p.m. puck drop. At Sacred Heart, the men's team are home to face off against AIC on Saturday, February 4th and Army on Tuesday, February 7th. Both games are set for a 7 p.m. puck drop. In women's hockey, the Pioneers are on the road to face FPU on Friday, February 3rd for a 7.05 p.m. puck drop and Saturday, February 4th for a 4 p.m. puck drop. At Yale, the men's teams will be at home for the weekend, starting with a Friday, February 3rd contest against Clarkson, as well as Saturday, February 4th against St. Lawrence. Both games are set for a 7 p.m. puck drop. In women's hockey, the Bulldogs are on the road for a matchup against Union on Friday, February 3rd for a 6 p.m. puck drop and a matchup against RPI on Saturday, February 4th for a 3 p.m. puck drop. In pro hockey, the Danbury Hattricks are back home for two games against Columbus on Friday, February 3rd with a 7.30 p.m. puck drop and Saturday, February 4th with a 7 p.m. puck drop. The Bridgeport Islanders host Hershey on Friday, February 3rd for a 7 p.m. puck drop. Bridgeport then faces Springfield on the road on Saturday, February 4th with a 7.05 p.m. puck drop. The Hartford Wolfpack are at home as they face Utica on Friday, February 3rd, as well as Wilkes-Barre Scranton on Saturday, February 4th. Both games are set for a 7 p.m. puck drop. Saturday, February 4th, the NHL All-Star Game will be taking place in Florida, starting with a Central versus Pacific matchup at 3 p.m., followed by a Metropolitan versus Atlantic matchup at 4 p.m. The New York Islanders are on the road against Philadelphia on Monday, February 6th, with a 7 p.m. puck drop. The New Jersey Devils host the Canucks on Monday, February 6th, which is set for a 7.30 p.m. puck drop, and the New York Rangers host Calgary on Monday, February 6th for a 7.30 p.m. puck drop. And that will conclude this week's Hattrick City weekend schedule. Uh, we're rolling. Yeah. We're rolling oh, boy, we're rolling. We're rolling on WXEI 91.7. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Hattrick City. I'm your host, DJ Patty Cake, as always, joined by DJ Uncle Matt. Today, we got a bit of a different guest in the studio. We got a listener as well as the broadcast director of the Danbury Hattricks, our boy, Calvin Savoya. Calvin, how are we doing today? Uh, I'm hanging in there as normal. Uh, I do a lot of you know work around Danbury and, and uh, hockey teams in general, so uh, it's good to, to finally be on. I've been listening for I th- I th- since the start, right? Yeah. yeah, I've been listening since the start of uh, the podcast, so finally good to cut my teeth. I know... For those of you who don't know, I'm a very good friend of Patty's, so <laughs> yeah. I've been following him. I've been giving him advice on the podcast, uh, even the logo design back yeah. uh, back when we started. He gave us a little input. You uh, guys yeah. are two absolute legends. It's good to have you on the show. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what? I actually just spoke to a friend of mine who's out in Port Huron, Michigan right now shooting. It was a guy I was just actually talking to you about. Shooting a show for MTV, and he was talking to somebody who was directing broadcast for the Port Huron Prowlers, ironically, or something on their broadcast team. And uh, needless to say, it's a struggle uh, to broadcast out of some FHL arenas, right? Isn't it? Absolutely. Um, the biggest thing, and this is uh, this is slowly becoming less of an issue for some of the newer teams. Because, like Mississippi, they're in an ECHL arena. Mm-hmm. The tough part about broadcasting an FPHL arena is every arena, including Danbury, is really an ice rink first. There are several teams and, and groups and all that who use the rink before the game. So, like me and Patty, we both work in Bridgeport. When we walk into Bridgeport at 4 o'clock, which is our call time, 
no one touches that ice between four o'clock and warm-ups outside of ice crew who are preparing the ice. There's no fans in the building. There's no one who can interfere without testing. And we spend from, like we have a half hour meeting before the game, and then that full time from 4.30 to doors open is testing. Um, and generally you don't need to have the whole time, but we allot for it in the case there's an issue. Um, at Danbury, I walk in and we get about, a, at best, an hour and a half, which is the window that is ideal for me. But sometimes I'll walk in and I have 40 minutes to set that live stream up and that, that lights and the jumbotron and all that. And it's it's a sprint when you get in there and you need to get stuff rolling. So, yeah, a lot of us um, who work in in the Fed and in lower leagues where you don't have an, a full dedicated arena setting, it's you, you're kind of running the edge for, for a good amount of time. Um, and it helps out a lot when we have a lot of people to help out. So, Patty, I'm very happy. Yeah. thankful that we had some me and patty started right at the same patty time cakes. i think maybe maybe you're yeah. like a week or two later but having him handle all the arena in arena audio outside of like my own stuff i'm throwing out of my board say, the, so the helpful <laughs> um yeah. so it, it's always helpful to have more more people and thankfully we've been growing our our staff this year we've had some growing pains but we're, we're working through them calvin how how often do you go back like immediately and watch the game sometimes the night of we, we turn off the stream. We take down the uh, equipment we need to take down. So we, uh, our roaming cameras, who I think it's Leo is doing them mostly this year. I've been yeah. wanting to rotate. Uh, we t- take down that, turn off the Jumbotron, all that good stuff. And sometimes, like, if I know there's an issue, like this past Saturday with Elmira was probably, I'll, I will openly be honest, was probably our worst live stream I've ever worked. And I feel terrible for that. But, you know, there, there's excuses and all that. But I'll go back and I'll listen and I'll see how bad it was. And I'll try to fix it. Other times, I'll go back and I'll watch. Like so, the the Binghamton game a few Saturdays ago, which has been heavily criticized for its officiating. I'll go back and I'll watch the replays. Um, on top of that, what I'll do is I have uh, the replay unit that we use to show, you know, instant replays on the live stream and in, in the arena. I'll watch. I'll go back and I'll look at plays from before to try to highlight them to show them on the live stream. It's a bit tough to work with that system while you're also calling a show. But I will go back and I'll watch live streams as much as I can um, without burning myself out, which burnout, especially when you're working in actually three different leagues at this point, is tough. <laughs> you got to really manage it. Um, and, you know, given, you know, you have that replay system, um, do you want to kind of take us through, you know, the, the inner workings of it and, you know, how it may have been used in that Binghamton game? Okay, the first thing I want to set straight is um, that replay machine that we have can only record one camera input at a time. And the way it's set up right now is it will only record whatever is broadcast both out to the Jumbotron and out to the live stream. I don't know if people know this. Everything you see on the on the live stream is also put on the Jumbotron cut for like graphics. So like when we score a goal, we put the big goal graphic up. That overlays it on the Jumbotron, but the live stream still sees the camera feeds. Right. But otherwise, if we if you see the full wide shot on the live stream, it's the same thing in the Jumbotron and vice versa. Um, so the only thing we were able to record is the camera feed that we have, and that's just a matter of uh, logistics and, and money. Uh, we can't have net cameras just because we those things are really expensive. Those roaming camera setups can be upwards of $2,000. The the re, the receiver and, and transmitter themselves are a couple hundred. And then each camera is 
way over a thousand possibly 2000 i i wasn't here when we bought the cameras so and then trying to get net cameras with gopros and all that it's it's expensive and it's not something the fed can expect every arena and every team to do and it would be unfair for some arenas to have that kind of equipment and others to not so we instead use the roaming cameras that we already have that we can use for close-up shots hits along the boards uh, and occasionally a net cam when when we can spare it on top of like our media timeouts when we have like the texas roadhouse movie trivia and the peach wave monty hall issue and all that stuff going on um our roaming cameras are versatile but anyway so going back to the replay unit <laughs> which that was a bit of a tangent i'm gonna be a talker this episode i don't know if you realize that um <laughs> oh it's apparent yeah <laughs> going back to the replay so we only record the one camera uh, or the one feed going in. It can be any camera that I choose, but I need to choose it when it happens. So I need to have a good hockey sense and foresight, which at worst is the wide cam. At best, we get a good shot of a, a puck crossing the line when the ref said it shouldn't. Um, a, a, a hit that when the refs, while they're not supposed to use the replay, will occasionally, if they see that they really, you know, funged a call, they'll go back and say, okay, that that was incorrect. Um, or at the very least, it gives the fans the opportunity to yell and scream and, and build hype in the arena um, and get people talking on Facebook. Because oddly enough, controversy is good in the league. Um, not all controversy has been made apparent. I'm not going to try to handle that beast. But, you know, when people are talking and, and trash talking each other on the Facebook pages, it really does help um, build a fan base and build a community. Um, I do wish we could be a little less aggressive, but that's not, <laughs> not really my choice. Um, another thing. And this, uh, I'm worried about there being some confusion from last week. Um, the referees will never ask us to play a replay. Um, if you look in the rule book, there is a header for video replay judge, and then there's just no text. Um, which I have <laughs> so that clears things up. Yeah, <laughs> I have taken the air bet approach of there's no rule saying I can't. Um, I do. I do try to not be extremely biased with it. But if there's an egregious call, I will show it again. Um, and that was very prevalent with Binghamton. Uh, actually, I, I I will admit I was yelling during the game as well because of how bad the calls were, especially less so with the Binghamton one, very much so with the Gisseau hit because that, to me, was a textbook dangerous hit that if Amesbury delivered it, he would be suspended for the rest of the year at least. Tell him. So the Gisseau hit was a textbook from behind, one foot from the boards led to an. Uh, I think Jusso was injured on the play, right? Am I wrong with that? Um, I don't think, I think he, he was got injured on up. the play, but it was definitely a tough hit, and uh, he bounced back from it. But yeah, I was screaming because to me, player safety is also important. But I'm again not qualified to talk about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, refs will never ask us for a replay. I will show the replay when necessary, and sometimes. Um, other people like the Chris or Cerny will say, let's try to take another look at that. And that's, they say it on the live stream as if it sounds natural, but really it's them cueing me, hey, I want to see that again. Right. Yeah. And luckily with the replay unit, I can clip specific moments that, so I can just press a button and it pulls right back up. Um, and uh, I, tr I follow that. Sometimes uh, the coaches want to take another look at things for when they come back out. So they'll have me ready it so when they can walk out, they can see it on the Jumbotron and see uh, calls. Um, but outside of that, it's it's my discretion for when to show it. But the referees are technically not supposed to use the replay to change their call. It's more supposed to give um, fans more enjoyment when they see the call and they, they see the stories that are built because sports really is stories. 
for it. That's why sure. people watch it. As much as it's like, oh, I want my team to win, it's it's an experience. That's what we definitely sell. at this level. I think it's more of a storyline kind of a league that that people follow closely. It's a small league that mm-hmm. there's there's implications uh, almost every game night. Um, something that you guys don't know is, and I'll take you guys back on like a magic carpet ride to many uh, unemployments ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, a buddy and I, we had gone down to the Aviator. Uh, the Aviator Sports and Event Center in Brooklyn. This is so long ago. This is when the Brooklyn Aviators existed as a team in the Federal Hockey League. And it was really still very, very primitive in those days. It couldn't have been any later, I don't think, than 2011. Probably 2010. Um, no, it was probably 2011 or 2012. So um, the league was still really primitive. The, the the feed was behind a paywall. Nobody really got it. Maybe, maybe like, you know, I, I, I don't know if Dan Barry ever had more than, uh, I mean, I think 100 people subscribing would be like a huge pool mm-hmm. for how it used to be set up. I think one of the best things that ever happened to this league was that it it's now on YouTube. And it's engaging with people like all over North America. I mean, there's Matt Torgensen. Uh, shout out to Matt from Minor Pro Hero. I mean, the guy lives in Alberta, and, and he he uh, is on top of every storyline in the league and sees every game. So what I could tell you is, is my friend and I had gone down there and we took a lot of footage, and we used to compare what was happening in this league, in the original days of this league, with, like, ECW wrestling, which was this, like, it really was, we were thinking about it, like, you guys know, do you guys know what made ECW great? No. I can tell you what made it great. (laughs) What made it great was that it played at, like, 2.30 in the morning, on, like, Sunday morning, on MSG. And that alone, like, being that, it, it was like a, so it was literally like some type of drug. You could only get it in this do- dead of night situation. And you get up and it's like 45 minutes of promos and Joey Styles coming at you, telling you, you know, you're about to see Cactus Jack, smack, you know, get smacked in the head with a, you know, a, a ladder by the Sandman. And then the Sandman's going to smoke a cigarette and drink a beer on top of Mick Foley. You know what I mean? Or, or, or whoever it is. It's So what I'm trying to tell you is, is, while I don't necessarily see the FHL as being that kind of wild, wild west thing, it is this kind of t- tough, action-packed brand of hockey that, yeah, listen. So we thought, what if we cut a reel with the you know, Canon sixty D with like a you know like something like that. At was the it even a video camera? Was it a photo camera no, with uh, video possibilities? Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it was the old Canon. Well, 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 they were shooting like rap videos on these things, and that's what we were doing. We were yeah. like shooting rap videos in the neighborhood and stuff, and basketball stuff in our early, early twenties, <coughs> and we went down there and we loop together different i had a buddy by the name of matt sheridan uh shout out to matt sheridan he also a guy who worked on many crazy things when we were under the influence of uh let's just say spirits uh like this guy 
we cut together this awesome like reel of the FA. I wish I, I wish I still had it. It was actually up there for a long time. I think he made it private or something. He was one of those guys, and it just goes to show you how far the league has come in all those years. That now. You could just sit on YouTube, pull those same clips together, put music behind it, put different voices behind it, put different uh, still photos that you can incorporate it. You could do that just from pulling off YouTube now. And the league is just so much more accessible. And it really is mostly because of the broadcast capabilities that they've added into it. I said this for years. Nobody cares about the ECHL or the AHL because they can't see it. Well, I, I don't I, like I, I this is going to come up at another point in the show. I talked to somebody at the rink who said that he wouldn't drive to see the hat tricks, yeah. but he would drive to see Bridgeport. And I know you guys work for the Bridgeport team, but at the end of the day, to me, it's just night and day different product. It's nothing against them. If that's what I'm in the mood for, seeing what the Islanders development team is up to, their taxi squad is up to. Yeah, that's what I'm interested in that night. But to me, I'm more interested in the small town. Saturday night game, fans riled up, you know, players going to be out, you know, giving people fist pumps and, 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 you know, kissing babies and stuff like that. That's what I'm into, you know, the, 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 the local kind of a thing. And I think you couldn't capture that. I think that's why the league is expanding so much, believe it or not. You couldn't capture it unless you could see it. So you couldn't tell 20 investors from, you know, Wytheville, Virginia, mm-hmm. or uh, what's the other place? Um, even Columbus or any of these places without having something to show them. So now, if somebody's interested in the FHL and the guy's got a billion dollars to blow on a hockey team, he says, wow, I can look it up. I can see how many people go to the games. I can look at different teams' feeds. I can see what their fans are commenting directly to the games. All, you can see that all the games are are promoted with sponsors. So I think that the video aspect is so important for this league to even continue, you know? And, and, and I wonder if there are ways, in your mind, as, as putting on games from that perspective, mm-hmm. that we could standardize it across. What could we do within the realm of cost efficiency that says, hey, if every rank had these we can just bring the broadcast level up to the next level. This sounds weird. I don't think there's a standardization right now. I think we actually should encourage different leagues to experiment more to see what works. Um, I think trying to follow something with the NHL where every rank has specific criteria to meet um, would just limit their ability to experiment. My big thing both years I've worked uh, with the hat tricks has been experimentation, experimentation, experimentation. See what works, see what doesn't. Try something new. Um, the latest experiment that's worked great was um, introducing a new I'm, I'm going to try my best to not get technical with this a new way so all of our close up feeds that previously would have to go through the Jumbotron uh, board and then back into our live feed um, now we can actually just send those signals to both the Jumbotron and the live feed at the same time um, and that meant now the live feed if we see those you know board side hits you know right along the behind the net we could have that now. And I think if we try to impose rules and sanctions to different broadcast teams to say, hey, you need to have this, 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 outside of just you need to have a center ice camera that looks good um, and you need some way to show what time is left in the rank and the score, you know, typical hockey bug stuff. 
But outside of that, there shouldn't be much. But what about some of the situations we've seen this season? Danbury fans know what I'm talking about, but we're not going to call them out where we think that the game is being streamed on an iPhone. Um, so the big thing with that uh, is we need to have <laughs> – I think we should have a minimum, like I said, a, a centerized camera that looks good. We need to have something where you can see, you know – Outside of weird change, you know, outside of like an icing doing a uh, a penalty kill or something like that, where you can see most, if not all, of the players, most of the game. If you have an action shot or you have some battle behind the net or some battle in front of the net, um, you can cut to a close camera. But I think a big thing that every arena should have is a good-looking centerized camera, a marginal, you know, professional-looking but not necessarily amazing uh, close-up cam, and some sort of replay system. Whether that's a one-camera feed, if it's a one recording but can take multiple feeds, but it can only really record one like what we have, or if you go full-blown into, you know, every camera has a recording behind it, net cams, I think that's all fine. But we should have at least center ice and a recording function. And if you can, a um, some sort of roaming camera or two roaming cameras for close-up shots. You know what, Calvin? I think you need to step back a second and mm-hmm. explain to the audience just within the, the the first face-off to the end of the game, what your responsibilities are very clearly. Because I think some oh, people Lord. might have missed that. You know, like, oh, like, Lord. <laughs> okay. In terms of the broadcast. You know, in, like, ter- uh, in, ter- in terms of what I do for – because a lot of my – because I do do a lot of broadcast stuff, but I also manage a lot of the end arena stuff um, under home. So – uh, and Patty also helps out with that as well, making the schedule. Good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Patty, Patty's still here. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, so uh, my main duty is making sure that our intervener um, jumbotron is working and is receiving video feeds and our graphics from our computers, making sure any videos are playing have sound under them and sounds good. Uh, we actually still have one issue I'm trying to investigate where one of our computers it will play sound except for voices. Um, so, like, we played one movie scene where you could hear everything in the scene except the people speaking, which was very strange. So, uh, I'm still trying to investigate what that issue could be. Uh, but for now, we have a backup that we've been using. Um, so, so do you're all working th- the board and the YouTube feed at the same time. Yes. Is essentially yes. what we're trying to get. Yes. To. Yeah, right. So, I'm not working it. I'm calling it. So, yeah. I, I'm, I'm on a headset with Patty and our roaming camera. I wish we could have our center ice cam, camera on there as well. And we have Jack, who is our... He's now in charge of the Jumbotron. Last year, I did the Jumbotron on the YouTube feed. Now, I've been able to spin Jack off into working just the Jumbotron. So, he will listen to me. He'll say, hey, listen, we got Peach Wave coming up. Get the Peach Wave um, system ready. We got Texas Roadhouse. We're doing this movie in my like list on YouTube. Get that ready. We're doing whatever's next. You know, get ready on a goal. Okay, here's here's our goal scores. We're going to show their, their player slates on the Jumbotron. So, like, you know... Just so for McDonald and Ruiz, I don't know if that's an actual possibility. I, I mean, like yeah. all that stuff is a boy can all just the jumbotron. And then on top of that, I'm I've got a mini switcher that is controlling three camera feeds. One is our center ice, one is our roaming camera who's normally stationed underneath the jumbotron, kind of like between section two hundred to one hundred, that kind of back arc behind the away team goal. And then I have another camera that's positioned right next to me that I control. Um, which is our goaltender uh, and our camera right in front of our net. Um, and all of that is our cameras that, to some extent, I control a call. Mm-hmm. And then next to that is the replay unit. And that is under my discretion. We previously had um, Sam, uh, yeah. Herm's daughter, 
she was operating the replay unit until we started having audio issues on the live stream that we realized we just need to have someone monitoring the audio issues all game. Mm -hmm. And that's when I said, okay, Sam, you're no longer doing replay. You're going to just listen to the game all night now because we can't keep having audio issues on the live stream because I can't listen to the live stream. I'm in the middle of calling a game in the middle of an arena. I can't hear issues with the audio. We need to have someone sitting there with a pair of really nice headphones who can cancel the, the, those headphones need to cancel out all the arena noises. That way she can hear just the our commentator, uh, our commentators, plural, when Jim Cerny comes in, and our crowd mic. After audio is all the pre-setup for the YouTube stream. So that includes loading in any new bugs. So each time we have a new team, whether it's Binghamton or Elmira or Elmira, Elmira or Elmira? I keep getting corrected. Elmira. Elmira. Okay. Elmira. Elmira. <laughs> Uh, Binghamton, Elmira, Watertown, Delaware, Port Huron, where actually I haven't had Port Huron this year. Yeah. Anyway, we have to load that bug in. I have to make sure the video feed coming out of the replay unit and our cameras is feeding into there cleanly. Uh, we need to make sure all of our ads that we're going to play that day are up to date. And um, I also need to make sure the audio is working, which sometimes it doesn't work, which was the issue with Elmira. Yes. <laughs> Elmira game, which was it was working on the NAHL broadcast, which is done through a different computer, through hockey TV, and our broadcast, for some reason on our broadcast, was making a very annoying clicking sound. And I knew no one wanted to listen to that, so I had to find a backup, and sadly I couldn't find that backup until um, right right during the anthem, I came up with a backup, and I hit stream, uh, start streaming, and I had to work inside of that backup wasn't you know up to par of what we like to do here at Danbury, and I'm working very hard to fix it. And try to find a, a better system. We'll, we ordered some new equipment to try to fix that. <sighs> but um, <laughs> yeah, that's all. Of my, oh, and testing lights. <laughs> I need yeah. to test the lights to make sure those work. Um, and that's generally the last thing I'm able to test because uh, I can't test it early because we have a zamboni on the the ice, and I don't want to shut off the lights when the zamboni is running because that's just going to annoy the annoy the crap out of the zamboni guy. That's cool. Yeah, there's definitely a lot. A of lot. <laughs> There's definitely a lot of potential uh, for broadcasts in this league, and I still think that like they haven't really maximized league wide. Like what league wide, the league doesn't always maximize. Period. But uh, I think uh, there's potential on YouTube for this league because on YouTube you can do. It's just like I said, that mystique of ECW at two thirty in the morning. It's kind of moved. In a sense, it's like now you're. Things that are things are cool if you know about it on YouTube, right? It's like, mm -hmm. oh, do you ever see that cool thing on YouTube? It's like, oh, dude, if you watch this on YouTube, so like they're they're already in this cool market for content. My question is, how do you bring that up to the top? You know what I mean? How do you get that to get higher? How do you how do you build a buzz based on hey, we've got these these hockey games, they're competitive. Um, I don't know. I often think that there's like a way to create like a game of the week in the FHL. If you had the right crew, if you had the right team behind it saying, hey, you have to go arena to arena, you know, uh, it's, you try and do it based on attendance. Be like, hey, if you got the biggest crowd, it's worth doing. You know what I mean? Like it's And you do these, you, you get the right commentating crew, the people who have the right energy for it, and you get the right production team, the guys who already know how it's done. I honestly think that that could be a big part of, like, 
think about it, right? Are you, you you don't have to sell what what I'm talking about. You don't have to sell to a network. You could just start doing it on YouTube. You have to create a budget. You'd have to maybe charge the teams to kind of house the production people or whatever. But it's no different than, you know, like an empty. At the end of the day, you're in the content and event space with this, I think. Are you trying to say something like a national broadcast? Well, like one team that covers the game of the week, so to speak? Again, right. Like, think about it. Like, all every every type of packaged sports show has it. Mm-hmm. Like we we could get there's you know there's guys around this league who call a great game that that have the experience calling games and mm-hmm. then I think that there's tons of people that know every storyline in the league that could be the color guy I mean probably an ex player it could be three people in that booth it could be just two I I just think that like it, it's got to start somewhere all the teams do good jobs broadcasting. Mm-hmm. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about just what you said, like a a YouTube stream that is thinking that it's Monday Night Football. You know, it's like how do we how do we do that in the fit? Like, it, and it could be there's there could be so much promotion behind it. Bring on, you know, it doesn't have to be every game, but you could make it special. It could be sometimes it could be you know where there's going to be special guests that appear and kind of show up and talk in the middle of it or or you know there should be sideline reporters it's like shouldn't there be sideline reporters like i know it's hard i know like shouldn't we be at a point in this league or in any league like when i look at the streams of the ahl and the echl i know it's being done cheap i just think that in this league we could do anything we wanted so why mirror like you said why mirror what an NAHL team is doing, what an AHL team is doing, what definitely not the college teams in terms of the streams. I mean, I just think that there's a lot of potential for this to develop as good YouTube content. It, think about think about how many people have cut the cord for cable. They don't necessarily get everything they want out of like an ESPN Plus description Mm -hmm. or something like that. How many people just devour YouTube now? I'm telling you. Oh, do you want to play a game? Let's do it. All of you pull out your phones, open up the YouTube app. Okay. (laughs) So this is is a fun thing I like to show to people. We're all pulling out our phones and opening up the YouTube app. Yep, open up the YouTube app. (laughs) If you go into your profile in the top right, Uh it'll pull up a little window. If you scroll to the bottom of that, or not to the bottom, sorry, like the middle, there's a feature called Time Watched. Mm-hmm. What are your numbers? For me, uh, my average daily watch time is about two hours. It's actually down because I've been so busy these past two weeks. Uh, but typically, I'm around <coughs> two and a half to three hours a day <coughs> spent wow. on YouTube. How are YouTube right. doing? I, I, this... <laughs> This doesn't totally make sense to me because I watch a, a ton of YouTube and it only says six minutes a day. But I also watch a ton at the TV at home. And it like whenever I go to my folks' house, I sit down. If you there. have different profiles on, that might be why. That's that's, that's the, probably that's why. Probably Dang the reason, it, the but, game doesn't work for you. No, well, <laughs> hold on. What kind of works for me? Um, I have a five-hour and sixty-minute daily average. <laughs> okay, but wait a minute. But wait wow. a minute. I can explain this. Though. You can, can explain. explain you say yes, yes. So essentially, why it's so high. Um, when I go to sleep, I like to have YouTube in the background. So I usually put on like a podcast and that's like an hour long each and then they'll just autoplay on my TV. So about five of those already. That's, that's the five hours. Um, in reality, (laughs) 
Well, in reality, though, it'd probably be like an hour, hour and a half. Mine's weird because I, I listen to podcasts other than Hatrick City, yeah, yeah. Uh, amazingly enough, on YouTube. Come because on. The old ep- well, I listen to every Hatrick City one, and then I go to this one. The, the, trust me, I get every single episode I can here. Yeah. Um, and then I go to YouTube for – there's a podcast I'm watching from back to front, so like episode one to episode. I think they're on like 120-something or something like that. Uh-huh. I'm on like episode 30 right now. But the first 50 are only on YouTube, so I'm having to go to YouTube. I pay for premium. <laughs> I know. Uh, I, I go to one YouTube. I turn it on. I thing. lock it. And I think because I lock my phone, it doesn't count those hours. But when I'm doing my day job as a custodian at the rank, because mm-hmm. um, I do both broadcast direction and custodial work, because I can't do broadcast um, all You're the like time. like a Bo Jackson. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when I'm doing custodial work, I'll have that podcast on while I'm you know, cleaning locker rooms or whatever. But I think because I lock my phone, it doesn't count that. Really, if you count all that, you'd add six hours, or probably about five, five hours to my YouTube watch time every day because of how much I'm listening to those podcasts. Um, so yeah, YouTube is a huge platform that we, we should be looking into more. I know there's other live streaming platforms like Twitch, um, which nah, Twitch nobody's is a, on there. It's a smaller market. No, tw- Twitch is a massive market. The issue is there's not a lot of sports stuff. So like the CT whale, I believe are on Twitch. Yeah. Some of the but games are on Twitch and then the Twitch ESPN isn't plus as well. as huge for, um, sports. It's more of a gaming market. But a lot of people stream to Twitch because they think, oh yeah, this is the biggest platform. No, I think things YouTube, are hopping around. YouTube is becoming a lot bigger for a lot of reasons for, as a live streaming target, especially in the sports world, for smaller teams like us who we're not on a specific, like we're not on hockey TV, we're not on some... I wonder if we can get monetized. No. no. <laughs> it, it, maybe. The tough part of monetization is that means you kind of lose track of when ads roll. Uh-huh. Um, and that, I don't think anyone wants to see us on the power play, and then suddenly we see you know whopper 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 going up. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they'll figure that's going to age this episode. They'll, they'll they'll figure that out though. They'll I'm, they'll figure. I I'm believe sure. one day they will. Maybe there already is a setting, and I just haven't seen it yet. Because I generally most of the work I've done, I've worked in a lot of uh, industries with live streaming. Uh, we haven't seen that, or we've done simulcasting where we live stream to YouTube and Twitch and. Uh, I think we like we were on Periscope back when Periscope existed, because um, I've done a lot. I, yeah. I I've done you no know, hockey is my big thing now, and I want to work in in sports. But I also like I used to do esports with uh, video games. Awesome. I was big in. Uh, I wasn't playing Smash Brothers, but I was a part of an organization playing Street Fighter. But their main game was Smash Brothers. So when I retired from Street Fighter, I joined. You retired from the game, huh, bro? I retired because my wrist would dying because <laughs> yeah. i was playing several games Whoa. at the same time that could destroy my wrists i de- i started to develop carpal tunnel I'm like i'm done so i joined as a uh streamer instead and that's actually what started my kick into live streaming and, and tech because i used to be in just programming computer science i realized that wasn't for me and luckily this organization helped me discover my well, love one of for the things it. i like about the obviously you know we we do some of it here with the casting and the, and, and the mm-hmm. broadcasting but one of the things that I really liked was um, the technology, the digital, the streaming. It's actually, in a way, fostered an old medium. So it, it for a lot of those, think about it, for a lot of these sports teams, like let's take, for example, one team that did it pretty successfully for a while was like the New York Red Bulls, you know, Major mm-hmm. League Soccer team. Mm-hmm. Some years they would have radio broadcast coverage locally. Some years they wouldn't have it. One day they said, you know what? We're going to hire our own team, and they're all going to do it on the TuneIn app. 
So they have their own tune-in profile that they monetize or they 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 use they you know they funnel stuff to their advertisers with, but they also get that opportunity to have that uh, you know audio coverage of the game. So basically, the streaming and 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 that digital made it really possible to continue the medium of kind of broadcasting, even though it's now in a new form. And, and listen, the radio is one of the last things that's going to go away. But I really feel that these opportunities, especially, like I said, uh, we'll talk about this till we're dead in the face, but the opportunity on YouTube, it's there. Mm-hmm. Like, look how much, and again, you know, I know um, sometimes there's, there's mixed views about players that do stuff online, but look at the guy Trav. I mean, he definitely brought a lot of traffic towards the Federal Hockey League, a lot of interest, like, uh, tor- you know, Anytime that somebody's getting many streams on YouTube is talking about something, it's generating interest in something and, and it's generating content. He doesn't realize it, or maybe he very well does, and it, it seems like he does because they're starting to give him different information. Uh, or it looks like he seems to know more now than he does, and he's announcing stuff. Maybe, maybe I don't know, or he's just using his insider knowledge, Trav. But he's announcing stuff on YouTube that's kind of like, oh, there's going to be a new team here and there, and it seems like he has some inside info. Now, somebody at the top might be saying, hey, this guy is getting thousands of people streaming him. We might as well tell him stuff. We might as well. I don't know if there's anybody that's smart at the league, but there, if there is, I'm glad. You know what I mean? Like It's like th- this guy's got a platform, and he's reaching a bunch of hockey fans that may have never heard of the Federal League. And I think... If that's something that's happening, we need to foster it league wide. Like it should be, it should be all of these teams, you know, uh, obviously things cost money, but there's also money to be made. All of these teams should have YouTube shows. Should all have a weekly YouTube show. Just get on there, you're captain for 10 minutes, you're a play by play guy for 20 minutes, you know, holding things down. And, uh, you know, a random player or a random fan or whatever. Just engage, you know, the it, it's it's a cliche word. It's engagement. It's engagement. It's that you're engaging with. You know, that's something that I really did learn kind of from Herm. Uh, you know, when I first came up here about almost 10 years ago to do a story for Penthouse, um, was just a matter of how how can these teams take the energy around them couple thousand people coming to the games how can they spread it to other businesses i don't know of anything right now other than like instagram or tiktok youtube's right up there with introducing people to stuff they might be interested in mm-hmm. like think about it like if if you get interested in a in a in a band you go to youtube to see their videos from the past the future whatever the past the present you get interested in a writer you can go see interviews hundreds of interviews with stephen king if if you you get interested in cooking, forget it. If you're interested in exploring abandoned places in the state that you live in, there's no better place to start than YouTube. Mm-hmm. Like like the list just goes on and on. You're looking to see old boxing matches from like that one cousin of yours who fought three boxing matches and you know, he knocked one guy out. You might be able to find it. I, YouTube definitely is the most versatile platform for most things. There's a few th- like even like like non-video media you go to youtube to find the thing so like if you're interested in books you go to youtube to find someone to recommend you a book you right. know um there's other platforms that looks like i'm <laughs> i'm on reddit 
Oh, which yeah. I realize paints me like 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 a like a nutcase. It probably shows based on how this interview has gone, <laughs> but um, like that helps. But like YouTube, if I need a tutorial on how to fix something, I go to YouTube. I don't go to Reddit first. I go to Reddit when YouTube fails me. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, so YouTube is a huge market that we've been uh, probably going on about for about half an hour. For all I know, I, I haven't been keeping track, but yeah, it's definitely huge. I think would be great is a more traditional show for just covering the Fed in general. I feel like each team is stretched so thin already. So, like, pe- people probably don't realize this. Everyone who works – so, like, uh, Chris Lynch, our commentator, he does all the commentary for the games, but that's not his only job at the Hattricks. Right. He also manages all the sponsorships. He writes all the social media posts. He write, He makes all the graphics that get posted on social media. And those take time. You know, it's not something that it's like, oh, yeah, just make the graphic. It takes a while to get something that looks good. Um, So trying to just say, yeah, we just take them out for 10 minutes. Really, that 10 minute show is going to take about an hour to an hour and a half to produce. Once you get all the growing pains done, it's going to take an extra like three, four hours to set everything up the first time and realize how it should work. And that's your initial buy in is like a day's worth of work just to make sure this idea is good. So to take all that time and produce it, it's really tough on the teams. What could be easier is like a highlight system of the week where someone goes around, and that's kind of what Minor Pro Hero does. He goes around to all the different games, collects all the great highlights and posts them constantly. And if there was, and as, as much as we talk about YouTube, things like Instagram Reels and TikTok and Facebook, all that stuff is also a great place that way someone can more stumble upon it. I find YouTube is great when you want to find a specific thing, but if you want to find something you don't know you want, other systems like TikTok and Instagram and all those are great because it will recommend you content you haven't even thought of yet. Right. Um, my favorite thing I ever saw, and I want to make sure I made it before we, we finish up my interview, seeing my clips reposted on the Facebook page was amazing after the Binghamton game seeing people talk about the just so hit and the and the call in overtime all that stuff was so humbling that people actually t- took my clip and reposted it my joke is once someone starts taking your content and showing it to other people that means you've made it that and when people start disliking your videos you've made it <laughs> um so i i love seeing that and i wish we'd have more push in the league to have some kind of centralized body talking about the fed league in general instead of just the hometown audience likes the hometown team. I wouldn't be surprised if there's people coming to Danbury Hattricks games and you know other teams' local arenas and not knowing every team in the league because they're just here to watch hockey. And that's fine, but I do want to see a, big, a bigger growth and a bigger focus on the league in general because I think that's how you grow outside of just the towns. Because um, if people are watching this in Germany, I think that means the league is like known and... Outside of a couple of buddies that I send links to, there's no one really watching it outside of, you know, West Coast, North America. And and your one buddy in Alberta. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the one guy in yeah. Alberta. There's a couple of people outside of it, and especially if, if they're family of players. But I want to see more focus on the league. And it's hard to expand in and out West because that means you're going to have to start flying players to cities. But I'd love to see... Uh, a bigger focus on the league's entire team and not just the Danbury Hattricks. Yeah, you know, I think that that that's that's what we're 
that's I think that's what we've been talking about here the last hour or so is how yeah. how, yeah. how expansion of media could really could really benefit. I'm 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 one that thinks that uh, it really should be a it could be a bigger focus. You know what I mean? Is it's league wide. Uh, again, I think that there's I think that there's money to be made uh, in broadcasting. Just a side note. Also, a great great TV sport uh, announced today. I don't know if you guys know. Uh, you know, only God knows what variation it'll come in. But the Arena Football League came back to life today. Oh snap! So what Let's I'm go. telling you guys is, it's like sports as a broadcast is a powerful thing, and I think there's dollars behind that. And I think that if somebody could figure out how to get that right for the Federal Hockey League, the broadcast, what, what's the best? Like, listen, I think I think there could be a great game of the week. It, it's a, everything's an investment, though. If you're going to do things bare bones, the the investment has to be how can we make these things seem like events? Because that's what they want. You know, when they do college game day at these colleges, every college wants a college game day. Because it shows off what they've got going on, and it makes people interested, students interested in that school. When you look at ESPN College Game Day, what college wouldn't want that? What college wouldn't want ESPN? It's ESPN, right, that does it. Yeah. Uh, to come to their school and just have, like, a huge picnic and huge party there and broadcast it mm-hmm. on a co- on a f- college football game day. Um I think it's got to be the same mentality. If we could, you know, and I and I honestly think that you see a ton of different stuff broadcast and a ton of different uh, new networks. I don't know if getting it on some obscure network would be a good thing, but I do think that, like, you know, either doing it on YouTube or maybe figuring out how to get like a game of the week on a bigger streaming platform that many people have access to could do something. I think a strategy that should be approached um, is something that we see in other industries. Um, and actually ESPN, uh, and back when NHL.TV was a thing, this was big. Um, you can watch, oh, well, th- this wasn't a thing with them, but one idea was you, you can watch the live stream just as you know, what, whatever you'd see on TV normally and whatever you have on YouTube right now. And then you have like a game center thing that which you can pay, you know, it's small subscription a month and it would give you live stats for the game. So, you know, live, uh, um, stat sheet, live, um, uh, what is it? Game cards. So like scores, assists, all that. And kind of the idea of like, you know, turnover percentage shots on goal, all, all the things you can imagine in one hub of an area. That's something that motorsports does really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, and unfortunately, they actually took it down. Uh, the Nurburgring is a big endurance racing event, which is like a 24-hour event. It's whoever does the most laps in 24 hours, something like that. Um, and the whole thing is having your car survive the whole 24 hours. The cool thing is the YouTube stream on its own was free, and you just got you know a couple of commentators. But if you went and you paid for the subscription, you could get the radio call of every single team and you could listen to the radio of all of them. I think NASCAR does this too. You can watch the NASCAR feeds, but if you pay a little extra, you can get a full radio coverage of every single team talking to their drivers. And you could see live standings all at the same time instead of waiting for the bug to tick over. And if there was something equivalent to that in the league, 
I think that's a good way you can monetize a stream. The issue is there is so much infrastructure you have to put down for the teams themselves to handle that kind of responsibility. And it's not something I think the league is ready to do for another you know, couple of years. Um, but I, that's something I really wish we could see develop in lower leagues. But it's just the biggest thing is money and personnel. It's tough to find people who can work for low amounts to do such a demanding job. Um, and it's also just tough to you know, have the money, not just for the people working it, but also for all that infrastructure. For people to have, every single person has to have a laptop in front of them with a good internet connection and have the hockey sense to watch the game and know that was a shot on goal, that wasn't a shot on goal. That was a hit, that was a turnover. And it's just so much there that the people who do stats right now, they do pretty well, but to do it, by the second live is gonna be hard. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a lot of room for the league to grow. Yes, but it's the biggest thing is time, and the league is still very young. And while we're expanding in teams to build, you know, more markets in the area, that all is gonna grow with the league and let us build to something where we feel like a not just professional name, but very professional in general for this level of hockey. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, I think that's a good amount of media talk we've gone through so far. Do you want yeah. to divert maybe to, to something a little more casual? So well, I don't yeah. keep, um, I don't keep sounding like a nutcase. What's your favorite thing me. to eat at Danbury Arena? At Danbury Arena or Danbury oh, the city? No, Danbury Arena. Dude. Arena. I'm a chicken tenders guy. Whoa. I'm a chicken. I I, I like chicken tenders, barbecue sauce. We got the sweet baby rays, which you can never go wrong with. <laughs> sweet baby rays. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's easily chicken tenders. I'm not a burger guy. Really? Like, I'll get a burger if I can fully customize it, and I think they can do that now. Yeah, now but, you can with the kiosk. Yeah, with the kiosk, it's so much easier. But I just, like, you know, go, hey, I, I like a thing of chicken tenders, barbecue sauce. They have it ready for you already. You don't have to build it. Yeah. Great. Um, I'm kind of sad that you didn't ask me the thing you ask every other guest so far, though. What's your favorite NHL team? Hey, that's <laughs> that's actually one of the two. I was, I was going for the <laughs> other food question, but that works. Oh, oh, uh, well, we can ask so there's a bit of a, a short story. I'll keep it short. I promise. I was a big Brian Leach fan. Do you promise? Okay. My so I was a fan of the Rangers when I was a kid, and then he got traded to the to the Toronto Maple Leafs. But I didn't notice because who cares about the Toronto? Oh, <laughs> Brian Leach married a gym teacher from my high school. That's interesting. Anyway, <laughs> I, I promise to he keep did. it short. He went to the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then he went to the Boston Bruins, and I became a Boston Bruins fan from there, where I met. Matt, I was introduced to people like Zidane Chara and Patrice Bergeron, and I became a fan of of the Boston Bruins, and I haven't looked back since. Um, so I've just I've been a big fan of the the Bruins. Uh, me and Patty have a bit of rivalry sometimes between our yeah. Islanders and Bruins shenanigans, <laughs> especially last year's playoff run was painful for me to know that this man was uh, getting away with it. But hey, <laughs> we're top of the the league right now, so how does that feel? Yeah. Yeah. You're an Islanders too fan. Uh, Islanders fan too. I, I am an Islanders fan. We, I actually, uh, I, I am an Islanders fan. I kind of, when I was a little younger, I was kind of like a Devils fan when they were really good, mm -hmm. and I just kind of there was a few kids on my block that were all caught up in the team. But yeah, more or yeah. less an Islanders fan. I mean, it, it's been hard the last kind of two seasons, yeah. just because it's uh, they, they build you up to let you down. And I, 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 although I had a nice talk with Lou Lamarillo. Uh, I was a little upset that wow. uh, that Barry Trotz was removed as head coach. I didn't raise that point to him because mm -hmm. we were talking about something yeah. else. But mm -hmm. uh, 
I just thought that, you know, you, you had a guy that was well-respected. He won a Stanley Cup with the probably one of the best, you know, probably mm-hmm. one of the best players of all time, mm-hmm. you know, if not the best player of his time, mm-hmm. you know, Vetchkin. Uh, and, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I think that uh, Barry Trotz had the right mentality for Long Island, if you really look at it, right? Because Long Island's never going to be – the Islanders are never going to be New York's team. It's just never going to happen. It's it's always been a Rangers town. The people on Long Island like the Rangers better. The people in North Jersey like the Rangers better than the Devils. You go, you go. I think the only way the Rangers don't become the dominant team in New York for a fan base perspective is if they don't have Madison Square Garden in the middle of Manhattan. Think about it like this. They have to have it in like Utica or something. Think about (laughs) it like this. Like let's be let's be all the way real here, right? Like. Even in our state here, how many people in Fairfield County are really Islanders fans because Bridgeport is here? I mean, you think you think it amounts to more than max 10,000 people? I can prove that because I was a big Bridgeport Sound Tigers fan back when they were in the Sound Tigers. Mm-hmm. I actually skated there as a mite on ice, and I still like the Rangers and then the Bruins. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, I feel bad because so like I'm still a Bridgeport Islanders fan. Yeah. I work for the team. I love the, I love the atmosphere. I love uh, the back-of-house staff. But I still do enjoy my my Boston Bruins, and I do get happy when the uh, Providence Bruins are in town. I remember sometimes on the the radio chat, someone would say something about the Providence Bruins. That's they don't say anything mean, but it's like, oh man, the Bruins are here. I'm like, watch it, watch what you're saying. I'm on the I'm on the headsets this game. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, like it's it's just one of those things where it's like, mm-hmm. uh, I think that the. Uh, the NHL breakdown is so crazy. I and mean, yeah. we, we we talk about this all the time. Like it's crazy that like New England's so crazy hockey and then there's only one team, but then the New York City area is kind of so wishy washy about hockey sometimes and there's three teams like I'll, I'll admit, I wish there was still a team in Connecticut. But I, I would be the guy who'd show up in the Boston uniform and like chirp the entire crowd. But the there Islanders. needs to be there's gonna be a level of that everywhere you go. There's somebody who lives in Nashville that shows up in an Anaheim Ducks jersey every year. I want to be that guy. See, that's, that's cool. My point. <laughs> I mean, that, that, but that, I think that's the point of the NHL, and I think that's the point of sports. It's like, listen, I've never, so far, like I've never had that imposter syndrome because I've always kind of lived in the metropolitan area. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, yeah, there there are some people. Like, there are two guys in town here, Ron and Ron, mm-hmm. that are like fanatical about the Philadelphia Flyers and they basically they entertain themselves by watching every Flyers game and probably texting each other back and forth and it's just it's just never really been me I mean if you if you're if you're you know I just think that there's there's so much room uh among NHL fandom oh yeah I mean you can talk to my uh, so my family dynamic is crazy with teams because I'm a Bruins fan my parents are both Rangers fan although my mother's really a fan of whoever she's sitting next to um, and then my brother's a Penguins fan. So we're, we're quite a household that has plenty of, of chirping and, and jeering between each other. And there's also, um, uh, for football, it's even wilder because I, I don't root for any football teams. My dad is a Dolphins fan. Um, my mother's, by extension, is also kind of a Dolphins fan, but she, I think she likes the Packers right now or the 49ers. I don't know. I haven't asked her in a while. And my brother is a diehard Kansas Ch- uh, City Chiefs fan. Uh, this past week, in fact, I was listening to him scream at the the game as he was watching it, and I could hear him stomping because his room is like right above uh, my office. Hear him stomping on the floor with every single play and every single call, and it, it was 
I don't care about football, but I knew he cared about football. <laughs> but anyway. I don't know. I'm good, guys. I, I, I think we, we talked a lot here. Yeah. We covered a lot of ground. Uh, well, I guess just for the sake of it, um, you know, what's your favorite place to eat in uh, in Danbury, the, the city? Not the area. This is gonna, I hope this is in it. It better not be mean as carne. So, so, well, actually, I do need to take this man over because I found out he only – I listened last week. You only ate mean as once? What kind of Westcon student are you? Listen, man, I'm a commuter. Okay, that, that's fair, but I'm also a commuter. Anyway. Yeah, but so, you're not a Westcon student anymore. Fair. So um, – so I'm trying to think of something because I know we've had Holiday Diner, we've had TKs, we've had Minas. Um, the, there's plenty of good eats around Danbury. There's one that I like. It's not really an eats place. It's a coffee place. It's by – it's off exit four by Westside, the Westside mm-hmm. campus. It's called Rumors Coffee or Rumors European Cafe or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Amazing little coffee shop. They have so many specialties. They have like a they have like a black tie affair. No, there's specialty the big props, man. I do I do like they're, the coffee. They're so good. I wish down they there. served like food, food though. Yeah, you can only really get like you know baked goods and and that kind of stuff. They're like packaged um, stuff. If I'm actually looking for a bite, I generally go to Holiday just because I, yeah. I like George. He's he's fun to be around, and the the wish food there is great. The right milkshake is great. They're gonna open soon, right? Well, because they, they're going under weeks. renovation. A couple more weeks. Oh, and I can't wait for them to be open, though. But, oh, same. Yeah. There's plenty of good eats around Danbury. There's, it's kind of hard to find a bad place here in Danbury. I know Beijing, which is the Chinese place yes. right down the road from uh, the station. That's probably my favorite spot. They're, they're pretty good when it comes to just like, especially because they're open late. Mm-hmm. Like, I can get out of a game. And if I if I know I'm not staying after the game, I can just immediately order, hey, you know, give them a call at 1030. They'll still take an order at 1030, and they'll have it when you get there. Yep. So they're, they're pretty good about um about staying open late but yeah there's it's kind of hard to go wrong with food in danbury exactly. i'm sure there's a couple places but i haven't found them that aren't that good but you, you walk into anywhere you're gonna get some pretty good food yeah well calvin thank you for coming on clearing some stuff up and it's been a pleasure of course <laughs> you know. thank you for letting me rant for how, how long have we uh, rolling about 56 minutes thank oh, you for letting me sure. rant for about 45 of them <laughs> yes of course of course oh man calvin savoya WXCI, Danbury. Signing off. Hey, this is Johnny Ruiz, captain of the Danbury Hattricks, and you're listening to Hattrick City on WXCI. Hot chicks, baby! Breaking news. So, before we let you hear this amazing interview we had with Jared Yao. Um, Great want, interview. Yeah, we wanted to inform you that moments after this interview took place, he actually got called up to the Fayetteville marksman of the SPHL. So, huge congrats to our boy Jared. Um, we wish you the best of luck up in the SP. He's also the second guest on the show to be called up to the SP after appearing on Hattrick City. The first one being Stephen Leonard. So, um, another thing I also kind of observed is both episodes have a two in them. So, it was episode two for Steve. That could be something. 12. Yeah. A- a- episode 22. The guy might get called up, you know, to the Harlem Globetrotters, maybe. Yeah, so. <laughs> um, uh, just the way things look uh, for Yao, he's joining a team that they're in eighth place in the 11-team SPHL and soon to be 10-team. Uh, if you read internet rumors uh, that are reporting that the Vermillion County team, which was formerly the site of the Danville Dashers of the Federal League, 
uh, will be no more soon. They they've only won four games this season. They're four and twenty-three, uh, and Fayetteville is fifteen, seventeen with three overtime losses for thirty-three points. Again, they're good for eighth place. We're wishing Jared Yao the best of luck uh, up in the SPHL and. Uh, Quite frankly, we hope we see him back here, though, at some point, because he'd be a great, great uh, piece of this team moving forward, you know? Yeah, no, I completely agree. But again... Always bittersweet when these guys get called up. I know. You're happy for them at the same time. You miss them. Yeah. Concern for the team here. Of course. But uh, without further ado, here is Jared, yeah? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Hattrick City. I'm your host, DJ Patty Cake, as always, joined by DJ Uncle Matt. Today on the show, we got the one and only Jared Yao. Jared, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. Just excited to be here. Of course. Jared, great to have you on the show, man. You've uh, you've been showing a lot of heart on the ice, and you've been showing uh, on and off the ice. You've been showing a great mustache, so I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, listen, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, you really played hard. This, this last weekend, man, I, I, I saw you playing great defense and, and also, like, take a few, give a few and take a few yeah. big hits. So t- tell us how, uh, you know, tell us in your mind how did this three-day weekend, you know, in your mind play out? It was definitely tough on the body after it was super beat up. Game one didn't go our way. It's just tough bounces, didn't show up for our best. And then game two... Came ready to go. Had a good good 60. Luckily, I got a hand-fed pass right in the slot. <laughs> buried. And then uh, got an assist later. And then I was like, dang. Like, I got a goal. I got an assist. I got to go get the Gordie Howe hat trick. Oh, yeah. So I went looking for went looking for a fight. Ended up doing that. Completed the Gordie Howe. So that was a really good night. Saturday, uh, Sunday night. Continued the continue the nice strong strong gameplay we did. Went to their barn. It was a kind of a weird game at three. Like was was pretty tired after the, the last two and I was just like, oh, the body's hurting. Gotta keep going. Got the job done there. So it was a really good weekend overall. Two out of two out of three. Over fifty percent. It's pretty solid. <laughs> what I was gonna ask you is, did you um Having that Sunday game at 3 o'clock, and by the looks of things, uh, Pat was in the building that day. Yeah. I I had tagged along on, on Saturday. Um, or Friday, rather. Friday, rather, yeah, right? Um, uh, I had tagged along on Friday, and, and Pat had gone on Sunday. But, you know, looking at that empty rink and kind of comparing it to what you played in in Binghamton on Friday, mm-hmm. you know, or, 46,000, I think 22, uh, 4,622 people, I think, uh, in Binghamton on Friday night. It was a great crowd. How do you compare it to playing then on Sunday when you need, when you might need the boost of a, of a crowd the most, you know what I mean? Like it like on the Sunday game, I feel like that kind of helped us more because sometimes that crowd energy goes to the other team and we were both beat up from, I think they, they played a three game in three days too. So like having that crowd not be as loud every time they did something kind of helped us and then we just we got we brought our own energy from the bench we we went out there and just created energy and on friday or on yeah friday night it was just like it was cool like playing in front of crowds like that are just ruthless (laughs) are almost the best just because 
I love playing in Danbury, and like I love when the fans are behind us. But at the same time, I love getting I just love getting yelled at by the fans. <laughs> it's, it's just so fun. It was it was really a great crowd. I thought on Friday night in Binghamton, that was um, you know. They were pretty relentless right behind the bench. These fans had these stupid signs. Oh, yeah. And I didn't really even get a look at all of them. But uh, you know what? I I think that I think that when you weigh it out, there's really no audience like the Federal League audience sometimes. These fans are just like— I don't, I don't think there's anything that compares. The, the, like, I was having a conversation with a guy in the rink on Saturday night. Yes, a, a well-meaning guy. And, you know, he he was trying to tell me that he wouldn't drive an hour to see the Hattricks, but he would drive an hour to see the, the Bridgeport Islanders. And with all due respect to all those talented guys that are from, you know, all over the world that, that, that are in that AHL to NHL pipeline, I, I don't drive an hour to see them. And I love hockey. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I, I love hockey. I wouldn't drive an hour to see them, and I don't. Once in a blue moon, if I get the tickets for free or they're doing a special promotion or something, I make it over there. And I'm not really knocking them. The people who like it, like it. But just at the same time, there's there's nothing like these Federal League fans that are they're relentless. They're they're so dedicated online. Like some people spend so much time online talking about the teams. It just seems like it's it's a great fan base to be a part of, you know? Yeah, it it really is. Like when we're on the road, we got fans like bringing, like searching up like our social media is just to <laughs> chirp us on it. Like, we got, they say some gutty stuff. <laughs> they dump, like when, last time we were in Binghamton before this Friday, like, we had a beer, we had a couple beers dumped on us, like wow. on the bench. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they say some stuff that are kind of like, like not over the line, but they're getting real close to that line where it's yeah. kind of like a bit too far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you kind of want to give them the old FU. Uh, I imagine. Yeah, but like we kind of we kind of got to stay focused on the game, and when we give in to them, it just then they know we're they're in our head and like just can't give them any any free real estate. For, for speaking of playing for Danbury, so really you got your first action last season, the end of the 2021-22 season, in one game, in what was uh, recorded as a celebrity signing, a celebrity yep. transaction. So I think I think what happened there was we might have run out of transactions for the year or or something like that. But just we you know, we were talking a little off the air. Take everybody in the fan base through how did you end up here? You know? So like finished off my junior year, didn't want to quit hockey. I was twenty, so I aged out. So I was looking for somewhere to play. Thought maybe overseas because I could get my EU passport. But then it takes like another year or two for me to actually get that paperwork through. So I emailed every every team in the Fed, just looking for some hockey. Luckily, Danbury replied, called me, flew out pretty much ne- within the next three days. And I was here, and then that, that game I actually played was actually pretty wild because just going about my day normally, didn't think I was playing. So I, I carried on my day like how I usually do, went to the gym. And then I get like eight calls from from all the guys on the team. Like, I'm, I'm at the gym, like, I'm not playing. Like, why are you guys calling me? So I pick up the phone. They're like, dude, where you at? You're in. <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm like, all right. So I ran across the highway, ran over back to the hotel, threw on my dress clothes all sweaty, then flew to the rink. And next thing you know, it's history. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you got your first pro game. Break it down a little for the audience. So, what, 
your goal is you're, you're you had finished with juniors and you did you ever consider going to the Canadian college route or was that for you or I I thought about it but I'm really not a school guy yeah and like what I do back home I'm an electrical apprentice so I don't need school like I did a year of school mm-hmm. just because it was out of high school like everyone goes to university and then I, I, re- I really did poorly there really just I so have a really hard time sitting down and paying attention. Yeah. So like with my electrical stuff, like it's a lot hands on and I can, I'm learning as I'm doing, which is just a lot easier for me. So like I kind of just brushed, like I was, I'm not going to school. So I didn't really look at it. I looked at a couple of trade schools that offered hockey too, but like my, my work pays for my, my schooling I need for electrical. So I was just like, Fuck it, I'm going to go play hockey. So when you went, you did go to college for a year, you said? Yeah. And were you playing hockey? or? I no? was playing junior still then because I, I was still eligible for still juniors. Still that eligibility. So I, like, I was doing school and juniors at the same time, and that was when COVID all happened. Like I was in school, and then they moved it online, and I did even worse online because like, I was just – I'd leave everything to the last minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Some people I know. I'd just be rushing it. So I was just like – yeah, school's not for me. I can come back and work anytime. My job's not going anywhere. Everyone needs electricity. So I'm going to go play hockey. <laughs> Take us through what your hometown is like, because Pat thought you were from Connecticut. Well, <laughs> like, not in, like, that kind of way. Like, I thought you, at least, like, you know, the way you got here was you kind of lived around the area. I was under that impression, weirdly. I might just be, you know, dyslexic or whatever, but... Yeah, I'm from a little bit further away than Connecticut, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a uh, it's a very hockey oriented area. Like we have the Canucks, we have a lot of junior teams in our area. So like, hockey is the main thing you play when you're like growing up. Like we got ponds to play on. Like in the winter, it freezes over. It's nothing better than pond hockey. It's just get to sh- shoot the shit with your friends out there and just have fun. And then. Like, I live I live in the more smaller cities, so it's not like, like I'm not in the action like of the city all the time, which is nice. Like, I can pick and choose when I want to go have a good time down downtown. It's a lot different than Connecticut, for sure. Like, when I when I came here, I didn't really know what to expect. Thought there'd probably be a little more green, <laughs> like in the on the grass wise, tree wise, a lot more highways than I expected. Yeah. Because where I'm from, it's like, like all nature pretty much. Like, like I think that's why we're one of our tourists is so big is because people like who like outdoorsy stuff come to see like all our parks. Come like, that way, yeah. To see the hikes, because we got some crazy hikes over there. Like Amesbury knows about it. Like there's this one that we do. It's like it's out in North Vancouver, and there's there's cliff jumping everywhere around that area, and like. On this one cliff that Ames does, I'm I got no balls. Like I can't, yeah. I can't do the like. There's like it's like a ninety foot drop. Oh, yeah. And like there's like at least like ten ten deaths a year from that from that one spot because like people just jump and they don't they don't come back up. Oh yeah. Tell me, were you were you always a defenseman? Yeah, I've been a defenseman since like my second year of playing hockey. Wow. Just because my coach at the time, 
I was one of the only players who could skate. So he was like, you're, you're playing D. <laughs> I was like, all right, less skating for me because I can pick and choose when I want to skate. And like, I've, I've done a couple of shifts forward and I hated it. <laughs> There's way too much skating. <laughs> I hate back checking. <laughs> like, I, like I'd always be like, I hate when the forwards don't back check. After I played that game forward, I understood. Yeah. Well, you're buzzing around the offensive zone for like 30 seconds, working your butt off, and you're gassed. You got to switch. And it's like hard to get back. You just got to find that extra push to get back, and it is tough. I've really never, never thought about switching. But I am like an anomaly in my family. I'm the only defend. I'm the only player. Both my dad and my brother are both goalies. Wow. How how is your brother – how, how high did he play? He uh, played the highest you can in uh, minors. Mm-hmm. But he's he's a smart guy, pretty much the opposite of what I am. <laughs> like, he's doing sciences at, like, a top school in Canada. Okay. And, like, he's, he's a smart guy. How old is he? He's 19 now. Wow. How old are you, Jerry? I'm 21. Wow. So you're still very young in your career, and you're you're getting your feet wet. How, how do you feel you played this season? I feel like I've been playing good, solid, uh, trying to develop every day I can. I, I love being on the ice every day because then if I'm not feeling one thing, I can kind of work on that until, like, yeah, like, I'm feeling good with that and then move on kind of to, like, another weak part that I feel like I have right now. So, like, I feel like I've developed a lot while I've here, and with Billy as coaching, like he's done a great job, like kind of like sh- like showing me things I wouldn't notice on my own of my own game, and like giving me pointers that like maybe like I wouldn't have come to, and like there's like small things that like I really wouldn't have thought of that can just make one move so much more deceptive, like on the ice, and kind of like hide where I'm passing, and like if I'm shooting it on net, like, like walking the line, he showed me something just like not to stick handle too much and kind of just be open. So like I can dish it any way I want. And like, I feel like I've had a good season so far and, but there's still so much more I can, I can attain. When you were growing up and even till now, is there a particular player who you kind of model your game after or you watch what the guy does often growing up i loved duncan keith wow he like just watching him play he moved the puck just so cleanly and never overhandled it interesting personal analogy there because i i kind of see those similarities in your game yeah and like i like i liked his feisty side you know like maybe he went over the line according to other fans too much i i loved how how he just was had that grit you were a Canucks fan, or? I actually wasn't growing up. <laughs> like, I have transitioned because I was like a oh, hometown team. Like, it'd be sick just to go to the rink, just root for the actual team there. Yeah. Just because everyone in that rink is just so invested in the Canucks. Great atmosphere. So like, you can you can have a conversation with anyone pretty much. Just like, like, like the ownership sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like so like, you go there, everyone's trashing the Aquilinis. We were like when I was back there, like Benning was still the uh, GM. The whole the whole city hated him. Wow! Like, just we kept signing guys who for way too much, and just kept re uh, like we'd sign a guy who'd have one thirty goal season, 
and we're like, oh, okay, we're gonna give him money, like six six mil for six years, and everyone's just like, why? Like, you look back on his career, like he, he's like 30 now, he's not, he hasn't done it. But originally, I I grew up a Chicago Blacks fan. Wow. <laughs> so it was nice going, seeing the winning the winning streak they went on, and it's a little it's a lot tougher being a Canuck fan because <laughs> we don't win as much. Especially when you have Luongo guaranteeing victory, you know. Yeah, exactly. And then we make that run, and then we lose game game seven in, in Vancouver, and then our city goes ballistic. Yeah, were you around for any of that? Well, like, I was lucky enough. I was a little too young, nine right? years old at the time. So, like, if I was in the city, I probably would have made some stupid decisions. Yeah, being a kid and a teen, <laughs> and just seeing what everyone else was doing. But like, I do remember that loss, like. I was at home watching it, and it was just like, like, oh, like we were up, man. Like, we just like we lost like four nothing at home yeah. for that like game seven. Like, just no one showed up, and like we'd won two or three Presidents trophies in a row. So like that's the winner of the league. Yeah, we're expecting to win, and then like we'd get bounced first round, and that team would go on to win. Like, we got bounced first round against Chicago. They won the cup. Next year, we're number one seed, playing the eight seed LA Kings. Kind of brutal, yeah. Game seven, they bounce us. They go win the cup. And it's just like, oh, after, like, just pain after pain after pain. What about your dad? Who does he, he go for? Actually, I thought he was a Canuck fan growing up. Found out he was a Maple Leafs fan. <laughs> Dude, I couldn't believe that. Wow. Because I personally hate the Maple Leafs. <laughs> Don't tell Billy McCreary that. Oh, yeah. I was like, we were doing the, they do that TikTok thing, like, what's your favorite team? And then I was watching it after. I'm like, holy, holy crap. So, why do so many guys like the Leafs? Yeah. There's like five guys, right? Yeah. Like, they we, they, they won, like, on our, like, the, on the, yeah, on the ranking. Yeah. Who was it? Who would that be? Billy? Uh, Jusso. Marchisan? No, Marchisan. Marchisan's a Habs. Habs fan. Wow. Don't know how you like the Habs. My brother likes the Habs. And, He's a goalie, so he likes it because Carey Price. Understand that okay. one. Marshy, though, don't know how he likes that. Who else was there? Um, that like the Leafs. The Leafs. Was, I know it was just so. Was that recently? Oh, uh, Willie. Willie likes the Leafs. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I know that. There's, there's one or I think there's one or two more. I can't put my, put my it's finger on. It's on the TikTok page, Matt. I think. We, well, we might have posted it to Instagram, but. Um, you know, speaking of the Canucks, how do you feel about that trade? I just went down. The Bo Horvat trade? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sucks because he's like a he's a cornerstone of Vancouver, and he was drafted by the Canucks, developed into a great player, is having a career year this year. They didn't want to act. They didn't want to give someone who actually deserved the money the money this time. So it it is shitty, but you know, like I don't think the Canucks are a now winning team, like. Like their mm. their franchise players are all like twenty three right now. Like Pedersen's I think a ninety nine, so he's like twenty two, twenty three. Same with Hughes is around there. Like I think it's a good move in the end. I think we should have gotten more for him. Yeah. Their GM or our like the Canucks GM claims we got three first rounders. I don't know if I agree with that quote. <laughs> I mean he also said, you know, he is excited to to have Antonio Bovillier on the team. He's good <laughs> he's a good player. <laughs> I wouldn't. Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't say uh, he's wor- he's worthy of being one. Pretty much one for one for Bo Horvat. Yeah, because Adi uh is 
He's in the A still. Yeah, it's a no, but time. he was. We actually, believe it or not, we just got off the phone. Believe it or not, with New York Islanders GM Lou Lamarillo. Really? And yeah. we 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 talked down the prospects now remaining, but Atu Rate was ranked. Um, giving it's a little bit of a spoiler alert. Well, am I like the only guy who says the name right? Okay, <laughs> Atu Ratu. Atu Ratu. <laughs> yeah, I did not know his name. No, okay, cuz. Listen, uh, Atu I, I had to flex it a little bit. Up until <laughs> uh, literally yesterday, Atu Ratu was ranked the number one Islanders prospect by the Hockey News. And up until yesterday, so it, it it is interesting that he's. But if that was really true, then he's kind of. It was a pretty big trade. If he if he turns into a, like. Stunt. The player he's supposed to be. Yeah. I don't. I don't really know too much about him. I actually didn't know who he was yeah, until he, the he trade was, happened. <laughs> he was first of his draft class. Um, you know, working in Bridgeport, I've been able to see him play a few games there. So, Matt, come on now. No, because I cut. Was it? Not to cut all this. Zach the Bruins. Well, he uh, his family's from like. Oh, yeah. The family that's not from Mass is from Boston. Oh, that's I mean, right. not from Hawaii. Because I was like, how are you a Bruins fan? Boston Capitals? I'm giving that up. I'm giving that up. But yeah, that that, that was a joke. Yeah, no. Um, no, Atsuratsu, he's, he's really good. Um, and then we called him up for a little while to New York and... We pretty much burned through his entry level contract just for playing him yeah. X amount of minutes, and which was should have been a red flag there that they were weren't going to keep him, yeah. or at least do something different with him. Um, so like that, like it surprised me that we got rid of him. But then after thinking about that, I was like, well, that's probably why. Well, just on the other end of the the, the conversation here, that's <clears throat> certainly what the Islanders fans wanted at some point. They w- wanted him to do something, so you. It, it's you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. My dad always used to say, if you stay, you can't go, and if you go, you can't stay. So it's like, if they wanted a trade, Tito Beauvillier was as expendable as anybody, and and uh, Ratu is, is probably was probably a little more valuable at this point. I've seen uh, I've seen Tito Beauvillier play, going back to the Barclays Center. Yeah. So so. I don't know how much more he was going to prove with the Islanders or, you know. No, his time on the Islanders kind of up. I mean, a lot of our players are kind of on the older side a bit, so we're trying to really lower down, you know, at least the the age median <laughs> there. Um, you know, because Pajot's another one, been around for a while. He's kind of getting towards the end. Yeah. And, and, again, it's like how much longer could the Islanders have held up? So to go out and get – this guy from the Canucks is, is probably a big move. Let's see if it pays off. No. But, but but that's what we feel. It. It's funny because a lot of people were thinking they were going to trade Lee for, for Horvat, which I don't think they would have done in I a million that's a years. Trade. That's a horrible trade. Probably and if they did that, trade. I would have stopped being an island. They might not fact. even be able to keep Bo because it is his contract year. I was going to say. Yeah. And, like, he's having a career, but how many guys have career years on their contract year and then don't, don't perform as well the next year? Right. You could list a... You wouldn't even have a paper long enough to list every guy. Eric yeah. Carlson's been having a tear this year, right? Oh it's a yeah, contract he's, he's on a, he's on a rip. crazy right yeah. now. Like he kind of fell off for a while. And then, nobody wants him. I thought Boston would have picked him up. I thought he's just not good defensively. Like he puts up all the numbers, but yeah. like like when he was on the Senators, like he put he put up all the numbers, but he still was like he played with Mathod. 
who was an unreal shutdown D-man. So, like, they balanced each other out. It's kind of like how we have Hughes right now. Great offensively on the Canucks, but his D game there kind of lacks because he's just always kind of thinking offense. So, like, when we paired him with uh, Tanev when we had him, that was great. Like, they, like, balance each other out perfectly. Tanev's a good stay-at-home defenseman. Then we couldn't re-sign him. Calgary took all our all our free agents that year. I think they ended up with the Foley, Markstrom, and Tanev. Yeah. How how much NHL do you get to watch while you're down here? You have ESPN Plus or something on your phone? Yeah, yeah. as soon as I got down here, I was like, like, I'm, like, I have cable back home, so, like, I can watch, like, all the Canuck games and whatever other game I got in my area is. But since I got here, I was like, like I don't want to just watch the Islanders or the Rangers because that's the closest team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to watch the Canucks, so I was like, all right, I'm going to cough up the money for ESPN Plus. I'll use it when I'm back home. It doesn't seem like a bad investment. I can watch other games. So, like, I'll watch, like, all the Canuck games. It's, it's heart, heartbreaking, usually. Like, we usually, we start off the season blowing, like, six six multi-goal leads <laughs> yeah we didn't win one game in the first 10 and everyone who was on the team was giving me giving me shit for that because <laughs> I, I came into the room the season hadn't started like the nhl season hadn't started yet and i was like it's canucks year this year taking home <laughs> taking home the cup and then we, we go 0 and 10 for the first <laughs> first 10 games i'm just like everyone's just like hey, how are they doing you guys still winning the cup i'm like just watch just, just watch they're gonna turn it around just to continue a little NHL talk, what did you think about the coaching change? I don't think it was Bruce Boudreau's fault. Like, last year, they sucked. I didn't like Green, but I still didn't think it was his fault. And then you get a new coaching change. They go on a run. I think they're trying to kind of shake up the locker room a bit. I think I think Bruce Boudreau is a good coach. I hear there's some bad apples on that team. I hear her, Jay, like, we paid, like, JT Miller had a 99-point year on his contract year. So we pay him hard after that. And then he has not – I don't think – I think he's just under a point per game now, not on pace for nearly close to what he was. Yeah. And then I – I can't remember who I heard this from, but I heard he's just, like, not a good team guy. Wow. I don't – wouldn't say my source is reliable, but <laughs> I, I hear he's just not a good team guy. And then uh-huh. – we got a lot of stupid contracts all around. So it's just like, it's really tough to coach that team, I feel like, especially with all the movement through the management, the coaching, the players. Like, they're always, they like to bring in guys who are kind of like leaving their prime just because, like, they're trying to do a half rebuild. Yeah. That's like the worst thing. Like, the city of Vancouver wants just a rebuild. Like, we got the young pieces that's just, Start from the bottom. Stop getting these like middle eight. Like we're not gonna win. Like the the management's kind of gotta accept like the Canucks aren't gonna win right now. Maybe five years. You pick up the right pieces in the draft. Get some picks. Could be in a way different spot. Right now, like we're in between. Like our D course sucks on the Canucks. Like we got Tyler Myers, who's getting paid like almost six million, and he's just taking penalties out there. Yeah. And it's not even like blowing up guys. You know, like big big body plays because he's like he's six seven should be a bully out there he's taking like hookings like trippings just a lot of stick infractions interferences just he's one of the most frustrating players to watch i actually can't stand watching tyler myers this 
Jared Yow's got to be the most passionate NHL fan we've had on yeah. among, among the Danbury Hattricks players for sure. Wow. You could probably be a commentator. You could probably have your own show about the NHL. Yeah, I feel like I could get, like, I'd probably get canceled pretty <laughs> quick for commenting because like, I'd just be so frustrated with watching the Canucks, being a Canuck fan. <sighs> like, if I picked a team that wasn't my team, I could be a lot pretty unbiased and like pretty even keeled. Being a Canucks commentator from Vancouver, <laughs> I don't think I could do that. Tell us a little bit about what, outside of hockey, what are you into? Like, how do you spend your time when you're trying to take a break from the game? I like to go camping. Like, yeah. I'm a I'm a big camper. Uh, I got a bunch of buddies, so we we all got trucks and we all go off roading. So we just literally go into the bush, no service, <laughs> pitch a tent, or like right on a lake wherever we pick. Like, because BC's got some really nice. Really nice spots to camp that are like just off the grid. So I just I go off the grid, camp, have have a fire, roast some hot dogs, marshmallows, drink a lot of beer. There you go. <laughs> have a good time in the bush. And when I'm not doing that, I just work out. I, I like not even like like I do it for hockey, but like I love I love the gym. Yeah. Huh? Like it's my second favorite place in the world, aside from the rink. That's easily number one. When I'm out there, even though I am still 21, I just feel like a kid, like 12 year old, 12 years old, lacing them up again, just getting to do a kid's dream every day. So like, I do spend a lot of a lot of my free time at the gym, just hanging out with my buddies there. If not, I'm playing tennis. Wow, tennis! Oh. Huh? My dad got me into that when I was like, like I think like pretty much after I picked up the hockey stick, I was picking up a tennis racket. And like, play with my dad every summer, my brother every summer, just hitting the ball. Like, it's a good workout because you're just running, and it's very tiring in the heat. <laughs> so tell me, um, like a little bit about your dad. Like he, I think a lot of the fans have gotten to know him a little bit because he's kind of always commenting on the team pages and staying up to date with what's going on the team. Does he get a chance to come out here? Or? Yeah, he did. Uh, so, like, he's definitely my biggest supporter like there's no one who's had my back in my hockey career like him he's pushed me to do so much like the reason I'm here is like I'd say majority is because of him did you even hear of this league before your dad told you about it like I heard a bit about it (laughs) but I didn't really know like what it was about and like how passionate like the actual fans were for this like I knew it was just like a minor pro league like I didn't I didn't think they'd get, like, crazy, like, turnouts. And then, like, like he showed me it. And then I got out here, and I was just like, wow. But he uh, he did get to see me because he came out for Christmas because we only had, like, a three-day break, I think, between games. So yeah. for Christmas, my dad, my mom, my brother, his girlfriend, and my girlfriend all flew out. And we had, like, a little family Christmas here in uh, New York. So he actually he got to see one of my games live, which was awesome. It was unfortunately it was Delaware. Huh. Yeah. Wish you could have seen a more interesting game live. Like like we're playing Columbus this weekend. Yeah. And I I, I can guarantee that's going to be a good game. Yeah. Like I wish you could see that game. Th- these could be the best games of the season. I I yeah. I think a lot of people are kind of hoping that way too. Not just feeling it could be that. I think we're hoping for really good games this weekend. Um, what about um, like at this point in your career? Do you feel like there's 
you know, like the, the way you've been feeling it out on the ice and just your own mental, do you feel like you could continue to climb to another level or what's your plan with it? Uh, well, like I want to go as high as high as I can go. It's really right. The kind of like depending on right spot, right time too. like I could go up, maybe get sent back due to numbers. But my goal is to play as high as I can. I I just want to get better as a player every day. And I just, like, like uh, there's, like, that saying, you, if you can't, if you don't need to look at the clock, like, you're going to be able to work forever with that. I don't think I said that right at all. <laughs> but, like, with hockey, like, I can, I'll be on, I can be on the ice for hours and hours and I won't have to look at that clock ever, like, oh, when is this going to be over? Whereas when I'm working electrical, like, like I'm looking at that clock, I'm like, I want my shift to be over. Like, yeah, this clock is, this watching. sucks. Yeah, you won't be clock watching, is what what you mean, I guess. Yeah, to yeah. a degree. Uh, I mean, that's the way to look at it. What, you know, I guess we should have covered this a little earlier in the show when you said that you made your professional debut. But what was it like playing in front of this crowd here? Because we. We've had a few different guys on the team, you know, like some of the guys on the team. We had one guy on the team who played in a championship, uh, a college championship, and there was like 500 people there. You know what yeah. I mean? So, like, what was the biggest crowd you played in front of before you came here? Uh, well, I went to the Quebec tournament when I was a peewee age. What was that like? Well, that was just unreal. Like, I like it's kind of like hard to find words to describe how crazy that event like that event is because like it is it's just peewee players like we're all like i think 13 14 years old mm -hmm. and like they pack like the coliseum like you're playing in front of like at least like three thousand people yeah and it's just like your kids going out there and you're like are these people really coming to pay to watch us right now <laughs> and then you get to do like like i played in a game like in a mall where like there's a roller coaster over top of the arena. Yeah, yeah. Like, this was just an exhibition game uh, within the tournament because we got bounced pretty early. <laughs> we were, we were uh, like, projected to go far in that tournament and then really showed up and sucked. Wow. And then, like, we lost two games in a shootout because that tournament works as a... You get two games for sure. You, If you lose your first game, you get pushed into the loser's bracket and then you don't play in the Coliseum anymore. And then if you stay in the winner's bracket, you play the whole way up. Wow. And then the finals in the Coliseum, which has, like, it's like a sold-out crowd. Yeah. Like, it's absurd how many people are there. But it was crazy that uh, that mall game, like, I'm on the ice doing, like, probably a routine DDD pass. And then you just hear the woo from the uh, the roller coaster going over top. <laughs> you kind of look up. You're like, what's going on? Like, this is so weird. Do you, do you remember any of the – were there any big-name guys that were at that, that particular uh, There year? was – Cam York was there, Dustin Wolf. There's, like, like a couple – one of one of my buddies is in the A right now on uh, Scranton, Wilkes-Barre Scranton. Wow. I played with him on the, in this tournament. Uh, like, I think, I think Doc was there. Caulfield was there. Spencer Knight was there. Wow. Wow. Sam Poulin. There was, like, hefty names. And then, like, when you're walking around the Coliseum there, like, they have this one booth that has hockey cards of, like, every NHLer who's played there, like, when they were, like, young. 
So it's just like you can see like all the like Dowdy played in that tournament at one point. Like you can see all the great names that went through that that tournament, and it's 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 really cool to see like how how big and like how far of an outreach that tournament has because there are guys coming from overseas to play like all over the states, all over Canada, and it's a very selective tournament. Yeah, like you gotta like you have to be a top team to go. They don't have they don't let just any scrub go. How about your teammates? Like, just that one guy from the AHL, or? Uh, well, I had a bunch of bunch of guys who went dub there, uh, played BC HL, bunch of guys in college now. It's almost like the Little League World Series or something like even bigger than that, really, because I think that there's probably a lot more pros um, that go from there. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. I think probably on average, I think that. The Quebec Pee Wee tournament has probably more guys who end up playing professionally in hockey than the Little League World Series does in baseball. Tell us, we, we usually ask this to the guys, we've been getting the same answer all the time. What, where's your favorite place to eat in town? Gotta say Michael's Tap Room. Wow. Whoa. Finally a different answer. What, What's everyone else saying? Mina's? Mina's. Mina's, yeah. yeah. I love Mina's. Michael's Tap Room is my spot. It's where uh, my roommate showed me. Like he uh, he brought me there like pretty much the first night I was here last year. Who's your roommate? It was Mike Lopez. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. Unfortunately, Mike Mike moved on now. He's yeah. been cut. But um, where who are you with now? Are you by yourself now? No, I'm with uh, I'm with J Mac. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh man. So we just have we have three we have three TVs in our room right now. <laughs> we got a uh, we got Flanga's Xbox hooked up to his TV in our room and then. Got J Max TV hooked up to his Xbox. My PS5 hooked up to the, the hotel TV. We sit. We just play video games. Blang is at the hotel too. Yeah. Well, uh, who's the messier roommate, you or J Mac? I'm gonna say J Mac. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably gonna say me. <laughs> but I, we're both pretty pretty neat freaks. Yeah. Like, like it's a bit tough with the hotel, like staying clean. Right. Right. Yeah. But like back home, like. I'm pretty OCD. Like I yeah. need to have stuff in a certain spot. Like gotcha. keep my room clean. But when I was living with my uh, Lopez, hundred percent, the messiest guy. Or okay, not the messiest guy I've lived with. <laughs> Second messiest guy. The messiest guy was Tobias Sojic. Oh, oh my goodness! A lot of shade being thrown on WXCI ninety one point seven Danbury right now. <laughs> oh my goodness! First night I lived with Tobias, made pulled pork in the room. <laughs> So I'm making it. It's all set. I'm like, feel free to help yourself. Makes a plate of nachos, puts the pulled pork on it, heats it up. I'm going to brush my teeth. I just hear a fuck. I'm like, like, I walk around the corner. I'm like, what? His pulled pork is all over his white sheets in his bed. Oh, my God. I was like, dude, I literally left for like five seconds, man. That's gross. Took the sheets off, just (laughs) threw them them to the side. (laughs) Had no sheets for the night. <laughs> Jesus. When when um when you came down here f- at first, did you think that y- you'd make it this far into the next season? Do you think that you'd you'd be have a chance to come back? Uh I didn't like coming back I knew I had like I had a good opportunity in front of me. I wasn't I was pretty nervous coming up, not sure who was coming in, what guys were gonna look like. Didn't really, I didn't know what the the Fed looked like right at the start of the season either, because I only came in at the end of the year, so I kind of saw everyone in playoff shape. Yeah. So I wasn't 
sure what to expect. But like I knew like if I stuck to my game, like I'd be I'd be fine. I didn't know how well I could strive. And I feel like I've done done a good job so far. And well, coming in, my plan was to stick the whole year, see if I could get any any looks from the SP for next year, possibly. And then overall, like, like I want to win a ring here. Like that's what that was my goal coming in. Like I want to be with the team the whole time. I want to be able to win that ring because winning that is just. I don't think there's gonna be anything that's going to top that aside from winning another ring. Like, I think that's got to be the best feeling. If you ask, like, uh, Billy, Nosy, Brownie, any of the guys who's done it there before, like even Ro- Robertson on our team, he won a ring last year with Watertown. Yeah. And you just ask the guys, like, like what it's like, and they're just like, there's no feeling like it. Like, like sure, it's not the NHL, but it's a championship, and you guys work, you work your bag off to get it. And it's a... It's like it's a tough one too, cause like it's all three game series, so it's kind of like if you if you mess up one game, you're kind of like you got to dig yourself Backs out of the hole. Backs against the wall, yeah. So like, it's it. Like I want to win that ring. Wanted to ask you what in terms of coaching. What has Billy asked you anything, or kind of a you know kind of a, you know kind of kind of asked you. To play a certain way or to bring a certain level of uh, kind of a positioning, or has he asked you to plug in anywhere? Is what I kind of mean. Uh, like he tell he tells me to play my game, but then he also inst- instructs me on how to play a more solid way in my game because I try to play an offensive game. So when I'm playing offensive, usually like sometimes there's chances I go back on our end and. He's helped me a lot where, like, if I'm going up in the rush, I got to know someone's back. Mm-hmm. But, I, like, also, like, I don't really need to lead the rush. Like, I, I can be there to join. Like, my last, my goal in the other game, like, I didn't lead the rush. I kind of hopped in, luckily got the puck in the slot and scored there. Like, it's not, like, he kind of showed me how to pick and choose my moments. Whereas, like, when I was in junior, like, I wasn't playing in the top league, so like, like I just did what I want. Like yeah. I could just take the puck end to end. They kind of like, like I wouldn't really be like affected if I like made one mistake because like the guys weren't as good and they like, wouldn't bury right away. Whereas here, like if you make one mis- mistake, they kind of compile on each other, and then usually it ends up in the back of the net. You think that's maybe uh, what he's asking you to do is have a little more of a discipline game? Yeah, like, in a way, yeah. Like, be smart about where I'm when I'm joining. And also, like, spacing-wise on with my D partner, like, when I'm too far apart, like, it allows a bigger gap for a forward to cut through or make a pass through. So, like, I didn't really hear that a lot until I got here. So like with my space, me him wor- him working on me with my spacing, it's been able to prevent a lot more chances when I'm being offensive still. And like, like he's just 
I don't know. He's. I feel like since I've gotten here, he's helped me grow my game so much more. Mm. Um, and then you know, going off of leadership, um, being there in Elmira uh, this past Sunday, you know, on the bench during that second period is a bit rough for you guys to get off the ground. Um, you know, you guys called the timeout, and yeah, Gonzo there to kind of lead you through that. Um, you know, tell us what's it like having Gonzo in that leadership role. Like, has he taught you anything specifically, or anything like in those group huddles? Yeah, it's been – he's a great leader. Uh, he always – all our leaders always m- make us feel welcome to come to. Mm-hmm. Like, not like, – like, if we have a problem, something's going on, like, we can go to talk to any of them. But Gonzo in particularly, he's uh, he's helped me be a lot more even-keeled with my game. Like, don't get high – don't get too high, don't get too low. Mistakes are going to happen. It's a game of mistakes. But don't – don't think about them. Like, just – it happened move on continue to do your game he's helped me with moving the puck up like just try and get it north like because often try sometimes you go ddd too much and then it kind of like fo- the forge are way up there and then now they're flat-footed whereas right. if we make one ddd and straight up they're going with speed and like with him and billy both have really put an emphasis on that and even J Mac has done a great job stepping up as a leader this year too even though he doesn't wear an a like he's a great leader and he's like like uh patty said like gonzo pulled this into a huddle j max done that too and like sometimes that's just like what you need to hear in like a tight game or like if we're down one like we got this like we're gonna go get the next one it's all good and it kind of just brings a whole bench up and like we're like yeah we're in this fight like we're ready to go Tell me a little bit, um, there uh, on, I guess that was, I keep messing up, I, I guess it was uh, I guess it was Friday night when we were in Binghamton, Yeah. they they did get the better of us, uh, what was Johnny's message to you guys? You didn't have to tell me everything he said, but what was his message like to the team? It was, it was like, well, we didn't, we didn't play a whole 60 that game, as you could tell by the score. If we play a whole 60, I don't think there's a team that can compete with us. Uh, he was just like, like we just got to show up ready to go from the start. Like just, we can't show up five minutes in. We can't show up a period in. And we can't show up for the first period and then not play the third. Because we had a pr- pretty solid first. But then we didn't. Like, it was only 3-2 going into the third, I think. And then that's kind of when everyone we kind of just fell apart. And he just like really emphasized like, let's we gotta be there for a whole whole sixty. Like, uh, I'm pretty done there. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I wanted to ask you about because I I kind of noticed it um, this time traveling with the team as opposed to last year. I I um, and I think I'm noticing it uh, not just no not just in the the road game I went to. Uh, with you guys to Binghamton, but even kind of around the rink, I see it. How much of looking at the iPad between periods really helps you? It, between periods, I feel like it's more useful because on the bench, like, sometimes we have it there and, like, we're, like, it's it's really good to rewatch, like, if we made a mistake, like, kind of know where it is and then move on, like, and then be able to fix that mistake. But I like it on the, in the in-between period more because, 
like sometimes when you're looking at it, you're then you're thinking about that mistake like during it whereas in intermission like you can kind of like take that mistake understand what you did and then come out fresh for the next period with a clear head yeah and then um Matt, cover for me for a second. <laughs> what did you have on the ride home at Chipotle? Oh, you know what? Here, hold on. No, I had something. Um, you know, being on the bus, I didn't really get to sit with you and then, you know, whoever else is with, back with you. Um, what's one thing you like to do on the bus, like the pastime? Well, I either kind of do, okay, there's three things I do. I either play schnapps with the guys, it's a card game. Yep. I sleep. I love to sleep on the bus because then it feels like, like, like way shorter. The only, the only crummy thing is, I'm always constantly readjusting to kind of get more comfortable. Like I'll either have my legs up and then my legs will go numb, so I like kind of turn to my side, like all scrunched up, and then my shoulder will go numb, and then I readjust and something else will go numb. And then the third thing I do is watch hockey or watch a sports game if it's on. Like yeah. if it's something I'm interested in. Like I had. Uh, I had money on the Bengals. I, I heard you guys talking about that. I didn't yeah. know if you guys were serious. <laughs> no, I had money on the Bengals to win. Just, oh. uh, and they didn't do it. Sorry, <laughs> so, yeah, sorry bud. You like, <laughs> you like to use a sports app, bud? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I try, since I'm here, I try and tone it down <laughs> since, like, I'm not making as much as I do back home. Because, like, I have a steady paycheck back home. Yeah, so when you're back home, you have a steady steady gig, huh? Yeah, so, like, I do electrical. I got the money coming in, so, like... I'm do you a- work with your old man, or...? No, my dad's... Uh, my dad was an airplane mechanic. He's a stay-at-home dad now. Uh, I took... I have a bunch of buddies in electrical, so I was, like... They said they like it, so... It's like, all right, I'll try it. And then, it, it's not a terrible job, like... Like, I let... Like, there's days there's, like... I have a good time. Like, I'm having fun with the crew, doing nothing too hard. And then there's days where it just sucks. Yeah. Like, where I'm just lifting, lifting heavy stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, when you when you can bet normally, um, was there any games in particular that you like to kind of bet on? Well, I've turned away from betting on the Canucks for, <laughs> you have to. for a host of reasons. Don't think I need to say the reasons, because uh, <laughs> any time I have bet on them, it's probably a guaranteed loss. Uh, guaranteed loss because either I'll, I'm like okay they're just they just suck so I'll bet on them to lose and then they'll win and <laughs> then I'm like alright okay like I think they can get this game like they're not playing a good team mm-hmm. and then they'll lose and I'm just like okay I'm not betting on the Canucks anymore done <laughs> with that uh, I like baseball to bet on yeah because like baseball's a good one pitchers do like a they kind of depending on what pitcher's in it kind of moves the game into one favor and it's find it easier to decide off that obviously i'm just still guessing being being from bc do you go for a particular baseball team well like i didn't actually get into baseball till like two two a year and a half ago really two years i played it growing up quit because hockey became my full-time commitment Mm -hmm. and then like i actually hated baseball for a while wow because i was just like i didn't think it was a sport to be honest (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they, they got like guys who are overweight and don't do anything and just like hit, hit nukes don't tell Herm that <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but then I, I did get into baseball and I was like okay if I'm gonna get in I'm already a Canuck fan they lose a lot I don't want to deal with losing so I'm gonna pick a team who's pretty much always good 
because baseball works a lot with money. It's a big money sport. Sure. So I picked the Dodgers, who are like one of the 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 richest teams, and they always have the money to bring <laughs> in guys. So there you like, go. Yeah. Hey, they're always going to be good, even though they give me a lot of heartbreak too. Yeah. A lot of first round bounces for them. I think we're coming to the end of the show, but Jared, I, I you know, this is going to be. There's a lot going on yeah. in sports on Saturday in, in Danbury. It's going to be a big day for sports in Danbury. Uh, Westcon's basketball team has been on a tear, and so is Keene State. And they're going to be a this will be a matchup uh, between those two, I believe, at 3 p.m. And then at 7 p.m., the two first place teams in the Federal Prospects Hockey League are going to go at it. What just what's your what's your vibe and what's your feeling on this matchup between you and Columbus this weekend? I think it's a good matchup. They're they're a bigger team than us. But I, I feel like we're a faster team. So it kind of, like, balances out. Uh, when we were up in Columbus, that was a tough weekend. Like, it was hard hockey, entertaining hockey. It'll be exciting to watch. Like, especially, like, it'll be completely different, too, because with our fans on our side, like, like, I feel like all of us think we can do anything with them just rooting on us on. Danbury Hattrick's defenseman, Jared Yao. On WXEI 91.7, this is Hatrick City.